slightly white girl iced tea, fully loaded AP. Yeah, I just fuck your bitch, that's some Gucci flip flops. I just had some bitches and I made them look locked. I just took a piss and I seen coding coming out. All right, Saturday, August 27th, 2022. How are you guys doing this week? It is BK here coming at you yet another week in a row from San Diego, California. Follow me on Twitter for breaking news throughout the week at Bravo Kilo Actual and keep those good direct messages coming about news stories to my Instagram at BK Actual. As I get started here, uh, let's see, 11.26 a.m. Let's get right into it and start with Syria. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but we really never left there. And fighting between United States and Iran-backed militias has escalated in Syria. There have been two strikes on U.S. military sites, and they are saying they are tied to forces aligned with Iran. And this is especially significant because Washington appears to be close to striking a new nuclear deal with Tehran. So, militias backed by Iran's Revolutionary Guards attacked that military base in southern Syria with drones. And then on the same day, a different base used by the U.S.-led coalition near Syria's eastern border with Iraq came under rocket fire. And... This happened on August 15th, but it's only now coming out. And the officials are saying these back-to-back attacks have been more sophisticated than previous ones, and they are wary that more are coming. So the Americans have made clear to Iran through private channels as well as public channels that they were not trying to escalate hostilities, but only sought to protect U.S. interests. And... It's another reminder of how Syria, which has been weakened by more than a decade of civil war, fractured in all kinds of warring factions, has provided a fertile ground for a multitude of proxy wars involving Iran, Israel, the U.S., Russia, Turkey, and yes, the Islamic State. The U.S. military presence there is roughly 900 service members, and... As far as motive, they believe maybe it was to avenge a previous Israeli attack by targeting Israel's U.S. allies. Iran has denied any connection to the groups in Syria. So the drone attack was on the U.S. base at Al-Tamf, near the border in South Syria. And that's like, if you're looking at a map, it's on like the bottom of the country. It's east of Damascus as the crow flies. And those strikes came a day after Israel had struck military targets in the Syrian provinces of Damascus. And that, ki- that strike killed three Syrian soldiers, so that's why they're wondering if this is payback. And they were targeting a Syrian army air defense base where those Iran-backed fighters are often stationed. And the U.S. nuclear deal, as far as that's concerned, the both sides are moving closer to agreeing on you know a new one that would lift sanctions on Iran in return for limits on its nuclear activities. So obviously any attacks that cause a huge stink on either side are going to throw this negotiation off course. U.S. officials insisted there is no connection between the strikes in Syria and the nuclear negotiations. Okay. And you guys all know the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. That is the arm of Iran's armed forces that operates in parallel with the military. 
and they are tasked with securing Iran's borders. Their overseas branch is called the Quds Force, and they carry out operations across the Middle East and beyond, and you've heard me talk about them many times. They train and arm Shiite proxy militias that operate all over the place. And yes, the U.S. has designated the Quds Force as a terrorist group. Let me see anything else on here. Iran has been building these increasingly sophisticated weapons-capable drones in recent years, up to the point where they are selling them commercially to other nations. So uh, that's really there's a bit there's a long background on it, but because I have so much stuff today, I'm just going to leave it there. Let's talk about Pakistan for a minute. You remember our friend Imran Khan, Pakistan's former prime minister? Well, he's now facing charges of violating a terrorism law after he threatened to sue government officials. This is the prime minister of Pakistan, huge country. And now, this is a huge issue in that part of the world because Imran Khan has staged kind of a comeback after his ouster earlier this year. And you guys go back to the beginning of the year. I talked about that extensively, so go check that out. His fall was due to rising prices of food, the country's heavy debt, and he didn't have the support of the military any longer. Well, a current government came in. Those issues have only worsened. And in July, Pakistan's most populous state, Punjab, showed how angry they were by handing Mr. Khan's party a sweeping victory in local elections. His party is called the tariq e insaf so now he's got some juice and he's renewing his call to hold general elections earlier than planned. But the government, according to Khan, has responded with a crackdown on him and his party in a bid to prevent him from returning to power. And he's blaming Pakistan's military. So just quickly, what's the backstory on this? Well, in a speech last week, Imran Khan threatened to sue police officers and a judge involved in the case of a senior aide named Shabazz Gill, who Khan said was tortured while in police custody. Officials have denied those claims. After Khan's speech, a complaint was filed with the police accusing him of trying to intimidate the country's judiciary and police force. A case was registered against Mr. Khan under Pakistan's terror law, but it is not clear whether there is an arrest warrant or what the exact charges are. He has not yet responded publicly to the charges. And, you know, they roll over there. Leaders of his party have vowed to take to the streets if he is arrested. They do like to do that. And Khan's aide, that Gil guy, he was de detained after he called for military officers to defy orders from the top brass. The popular cable television channel on which Gil made those comments, something called ARY News, was forced off the air. Over the weekend, Pakistan's media regulator ordered television channels to stop carrying Khan's speeches live, saying he was, quote, spreading hate speech, end quote. Dan, they would have loved to do that over here, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah, you guys remember kind of, but just uh, quickly on Imran Khan, you, you remember this. He was born to an affluent family. He went to Oxford University. He became a huge fucking world star by playing cricket. In fact, he led Pakistan in 1992 to its only World Cup in tr cricket triumph. And then he married a British heiress. 
So he tried to, uh, so uh, uh, in 1996, he tried to parlay that cricket popularity into a political career. He established his own party, and then you kind of know the deal from there. So we'll see if they actually throw him, because if they come and arrest him, then yeah, we're going to see some really good rioting. So we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Uh, Speaking of world leaders and prime ministers, how about the prime minister of Malaysia? Yes, Najib Razak has been convicted in a scandal involving the disappearance of billions from the government investment fund known as 1MDB. And this is the end of the road for him. He's been, he's been up, his appeals have been upheld at the highest court in the land, so now, yes, he's headed to the fucking pokey. So he was convicted two years ago of participating in a multi-billion dollar corruption scandal and yeah, he's going to fuck in the big house to start serving a 12-year sentence after they rejected his final appeal. That was a five-judge federal court headed by the nation's chief justice, similar to ours. And they upheld his conviction on seven corruption counts. He is 69 years old, and this is a stunning fall. Again, British-educated. He is the son of another prime minister... He's the nephew of another prime minister. He's spent nearly his entire adult life in politics and has held numerous cabinet posts. Like I said, just a a huge person in in that political realm. So he's been, oh, this is a good one. He was nicknamed the Man of Steel, S-T-E-A-L, get it? By critics, Najib was convicted two years ago on those seven, seven counts. They said he illegally received transfers of $9.8 million U.S. from SRC International. They are a former unit of the government investment fund, the aforementioned one called One Malaysia Development Berhad, or MDB. So now he's facing dozens more charges in the scandal involving $4.5 billion U.S. that disappeared from that fund and which he had oversawn, oversawn, overseen as both prime minister and finance minister. This is pretty good because the money stolen from the fund was traced by prosecutors to the purchases of a huge yacht and a Picasso painting. See? He fucking got a flash. See, the, the rule number one, don't flash. All the gangsters online, you know, on social media, he's the same thing. They're just flashing like fucking jewelry and shit and fucking hundred dollar bill, y'all. Fucking, honestly, if you just fucking lay low and stay off social media, your chances of getting caught are really small. But they can't help themselves. And neither could this guy. Well-educated, but he's basically the same dude. And he, oh, he also put in, ironically, he also had a huge investment in the Hollywood film The Wolf of Wall Street. That movie was produced by Najib's stepson. And somehow, more than $700 million from that fund ended up in Najib's personal bank accounts. How about that? He didn't even try to hide it. He was the prime minister from 2009 to 2018. So, yeah. Fantastic. World leader going to jail, indeed. And speaking of world leader who could go to jail, (laughs) not current anymore, Let's talk about Trump and these documents 
that were found because, of course, the affidavit to search Trump's Mar-a-Lago house was uh, released, albeit heavily redacted. And let me just get through this quickly. This was spurred by the discovery that he had retained a trove of highly classified material that included documents related to the use of, quote, clandestine human sources, end quote, in intelligence gathering. And the portions of the affidavit that were made public yesterday, Friday, described the Justice Department's months-long push to recover sensitive materials taken from the White House by Trump, who, remember we covered this a little bit, basically viewed these documents as his because he was the president and he disclassified them, according to him. But now he's looking at, among other things, a possible obstruction case. Uh, this affidavit was 38 pages. Um, and the filing also documents in detail efforts by the Archives and Justice Department to get back the material, and I will get to that timeline in a second. The affidavit was unsealed more than two weeks after FBI agents descended on Mar-a-Lago with a court-authorized search warrant, and he, they took away a bunch of boxes and shit like that. And prosecutors wrote in the affidavit requesting the search, quote, I'm sorry, take back that quote, that there was, quote, probable cause to believe that evidence of obstruction will be found, end quote. Now, the redacted document did not offer details of what the possible obstruction might be. Just because it's on my mind now, you guys, and I'm going to get into the details in a moment, because, yeah, this is serious. But I'm always fascinated because they say, well, a judge signed it. A federal judge signed off on this. What, what are the statistics for a federal judge getting an affidavit for a warrant request from federal agents, in this case the Department of Justice, and not signing it? Haven't I vaguely remember somebody did a story on that once, and I think it was during the Trump-Russia thing back in, like, 2016, 2017, and that came up, and, like, they fucking sign it, like, 95-plus percent of the time or something like that. So it would have to be, like, completely unbelievable for them to not sign it. So, of course, he's going to sign it. Now, the judge is Bruce Reinhardt, former Epstein guy. And the government ex uh, requested extensive redactions to the affidavit because they wanted to shield witnesses, protect state secrets, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now, they are going through the initial 15 boxes of material that Trump turned over to the archives in January after months of government pressure. In those boxes, they found a total of 184 documents with classification markings, including 25 labeled top secret, and others were marked in a way suggesting they were related to foreign intercepts collected under the old FISA. You guys remember that? That's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And some of the documents, according to the affidavit, were from the sensitive compartmented information programs. That is one of the more tightly restricted categories of secrecy. Still others had been labeled, quote, originator controlled, end quote meaning they could not be held without the approval of the intelligence community. Several of the documents, according to the affidavit, contained what appeared to be Trump's handwritten notes. But they were most alarmed to discover that many of the materials included the highest national security restrictions requiring that they be held in controlled government storage facilities and barring them from ever being shared with foreign governments to protect those clandestine human sources or 
informants employed by the intelligence community to collect information around the world. There is no mention of the nature of that material. Um, okay, so let me just, so that, that's the gist of what they say they have. And I have the actual affidavit in front of me. It's been annotated. If you guys want to go read it with some notes and stuff, there's a New York Times. It's on the front page of their website right now. But the New York Times has a title, The Affidavit for the Search of Trump's Home Annotated. So I'm just scrolling down here and like looking at uh, anything here, blah, blah, blah. There's, it, it's impossible for a normal person to read. But they have kind of, they, they, they define sensitive compartmented information or SCI. Uh, HCS, we already, already told you that one. FISA, yes, and uh, it goes on. But I'm, So I'm not going to go through that whole thing either. You guys, it's, it's out there if you want to read the whole thing. And that classified material on human intelligence sources was really what kind of fucking triggered them, if this is all true, of going to the extreme length to get into Trump's house. Uh, so... You know, hey, Trump was definitely sloppy at this, and those. this isn't like a, a little thing. This is really, really high. You're talking HCS, human intelligence control. That is very, very serious. It's extremely tightly controlled. And, yeah, this is definitely not good. And here's, okay, here's what I want to, here's the timeline. So this is the, this goes over 20 months. So in late 2020, here's how, here's how the timeline went down, you guys. And this is, you know, this is excellently reported. So this is actually what happened. Talks, between, talks begin between the National Archives and Trump in late 20, uh, 2020. Sorry. And those conversations were about transferring presidential records to the National Archives as required by the Presidential Records Act. Notes from conversations among White House staff members indicate that there are discussions about material that Mr. Trump had been amassing and how to get it back and make sure the documents are properly handled. Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff, tells others he will take care of it. It is unclear whether he talks to Trump. Then on January 18th, 2021, two days before Trump is supposed to leave office, at least two moving trucks are spotted at Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, and he leaves the White House for Mar-a-Lago on January 20th. Photographs show boxes of material leaving with him. That's just a small portion of what eventually made it there. On May 6, 2021, the Archives, National Archives General Counsel Gary Stern emails Trump's representatives saying that the government had discovered that the original correspondence with Kim Jong-un, North Korean leader, was missing, as was a letter that President Barack Obama had left for Mr. Trump at the White House upon leaving office. I'd love to, love to read that. Uh, Mr. Stern identified roughly two dozen boxes of material that had been in the White House residence but was never transferred, the, transferred to the archives. Now, it's unclear whether he meant um, the... White House Counsel's office or or the White House Counsel himself. That would be Pat Cipollone. But Stern asks for help getting all the material back. Then on May 18th, 2021, uh, Stern gets a note indicating that Trump will return correspondence with a North Korean leader and ask how to proceed. Another archives official recommends that the letters be sent to FedEx, to which Trump aides object. 
the letters are not returned. <laughs> Summer 2021, Trump displays the Kim letters. He shows off a few letters, waving them at people in his office where some boxes of material from the White House are being stored. Um, Mr. Meadows talks to Trump about the documents at the club during a visit there. The conversation is brief and is not clear how aggressively Meadows pursued the issues. Okay. So basically, this is kind of what it is. So Trump is a big dope. And yes, he's, he's fucking at the club going, would you look at my letter to Kim Jong-un? It's the most perfect letter. The most perfect letter you've ever seen. Of course he's doing that. So then in late 2021, officials at the archives warn Trump's representatives that there could be a referral to the Justice Department or an alert to Congress if the former president continues to refuse to comply with the Presidential Records Act. Uh, Trump's advisors are concerned about who can go through the documents because you need appropriate clearances. Trump ultimately goes through the boxes at the club himself, although he appears not to have gone through them all. Of course he did. Of course he didn't. You think, can you see Trump like with a bunch of, can you see him at all with a bunch of like minions bringing him boxes as he sits on his desk and pours through the paperwork? Yeah. Fuck no. Could he have done it? Sure. I'm just, see, I'm just trying to go with like gut instinct. In my opinion, Trump wanted to show off like to his, you know, cronies. Like, look what I got. It, it fits his personality. I look for things that like fit a person's personality. I doubt he had any idea of most of it or how serious it was. I do. Um, so then January 18th, 2022, the archives retrieve 15 boxes containing presidential records and other sensitive material. Um, the doc, and that's when, according to the justice department, some documents appear to contain national defense information, sometimes called NDI, which is protected by the espionage act. The archives then informs the justice department, which asks Biden to request that the archives provide the FBI with access to the boxes for examination. Later, when the Justice Department reviews the materials, investigators come to believe they have not recovered everything that Trump must return. January 31st, this is taking way longer than I thought, 2022, the archives publicly criticized Trump's destruction of documents because some of the boxes he turned over included paper records that had been torn up by Trump. <laughs> then they make a week later, they make another public comment about retrieving documents uh, February 9th, the archives refers the matter to the Justice Department um, because, again, preliminary reviews indicate that there were a lot of classified records at what they uh, did have, and they might be more. So then an investigation into the missing material ramps up by the House Oversight Committee. April 29th, a Justice Department review raises national security concerns. The Justice Department tells Trump lawyers that the archives has found over 100 documents with classification markings in the 15 boxes. That's more than 700 pages. So then the, the Trump team scrambles to find lawyers of the appropriate classification to review the documents. Two of his representatives to the archives declined to get involved. Yeah, I don't want that mess. Uh, so, yeah, and that's when some of Trump's advisors were saying, hey, dude, return the documents, but other allies, including Tom Fitton of Judicial Watch, began also telling Trump that he is entitled to keep the documents and he never should have been pushed to return them in the first place. And that's when they also said, hey, Trump, he's a former president. He has the power to disclassify it because he's the president and it's on his say-so. 
Then May 11th, the grand jury issues a subpoena for the documents. May 25th, Trump defends his handling of the documents. And then June 3rd, the Justice Department visits Mar-a-Lago. They inspect a storage room. Um, June 8th, they request that Trump's storage room be preserved. June 2022, they interview Trump staff as the FBI. And then June 22nd, Mar-a-Lago surveillance footage is subpoenaed. Then on August 5th, 2022, the warrant to search Mar-a-Lago is approved. And then three days later, August 8th, the FBI searches Mar-a-Lago. Okay, fuck. So that's pretty much the timeline, okay? And, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've been around uh, classified documents plenty of times. And, yes, yeah, some of them are all the way to the highest level where you have to read them in the skiff. And it's a big fucking deal if you're a government employee to take something like that outside the skiff. Then again, you're a government employee, and he's the former president. So we'll kind of see where it goes. Could he plausibly be charged for the es- under the Espionage Act? I mean, on paper, maybe, but then they were going to come back with a defense like he's president, and even though maybe he mishandled the procedure to declassify them, you know, how that, is that going to be Trump and leg irons going to Rikers Island? No, I freaking doubt it. They'll probably settle, I don't know, and uh, maybe he'll get probation or something. I don't freaking know. It's, it's impossible to tell because now this is like a religious quest, <laughs> as I've told you many times. They want to get Trump down. They want to they get him. But the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Say Trump gets like, I don't know, 90 days in prison or six months in jail. You're in jail, right? Which is fucking stretching it. But if he did that, assuming he lives, you know, he's getting up there. But he is going to be a fucking martyr for the cause. He will be. He will get out and be even more popular than ever. Um, and his diehard defenders are going to see him as the victim of the deep state, who wanted to bring him down because he was the only like non fucking you know uh, career politician to become president, and he shocked the world in 2016, and they haven't gotten over it since. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. Is that all I got on Trump? And that, yeah, they'll probably work it out. Okay, let's keep going. And as long as I'm talking about domestic, I will get back to international news in a moment. But as long as we're talking about domestic issues, let's talk about the student loan thing. Biden announced a plan on Wednesday to wipe out significant amounts of federal loan debt for tens of millions of Americans, saying he would cancel $10,000 in debt for those earning less than $125,000 per year and $20,000 for those who had ever received a Pell Grant, and Pell Grants are for low-income families. Full disclosure for this story, I have like a student loan of a couple thousand I took out once when I was, it was like I was between GI Bill payments, and, and they just gave it to me, and they were like, hey, you know, you, you, could, you could have this, so just sign. And I was like, yeah, sure, what the hell. So I do have one. And yes, this would benefit me, because I have, uh, I don't make $125,000 a year, which is why you guys got to go to the Patreon, search for BK Actual. <laughs> Um, but you know, I'm, I'm very solidly middle-class. I know many people, this would help. So the, the argument that I've seen, well, let me get through the story first and I'll, but okay. Before I forget, it slips out of the steel trap mine though. The argument I've seen is this would benefit mostly the wealthy because grad students have proportionally more college debt. I don't know about that. I'll have to see something about it. Maybe there's something in some of these stories that I've read. So this debt forgiveness 
comes after months of deliberations in the White House over fairness and fears that it could exacerbate inflation before the midterm elections because this is going to cost a lot of fucking money. Across the U.S., 45 million people owe $1.6 trillion for federal loans taken out for college. Now, obvious, I'm not trying to say that it's costing $1.6 trillion because, again, the cap is $10,000 and $20,000. By some estimates, this program could cost $300 billion or more. Um, about 60% of all student loan borrowers have received Pell Grants, and the majority come from families making less than $30,000 a year. The Education Department estimates that 27 million borrowers will qualify for up to $20,000 in relief. And then millions of other borrowers will be eligible for that ten grand in relief as long as you earn less than $125,000 a year or are in households earning less than $250,000 a year. Uh, there, there are a lot of critics, and it's not just the all-fucking far-right people. There's um, Democrat critics. A Harvard economist and former top economist for President Barack Obama, Jason Furman, said that the plan, quote, would unnecessarily provide tens of thousands of dollars to many high-income households in a way that goes well beyond even what he, Biden, promised in the heat of a Democratic primary when the problem facing the country was low inflation, not high inflation. Um, and yeah, and then the Republicans are saying, hey, this is forcing blue-collar workers to subsidize white-collar white collar graduate students. Like, where's their relief? Um, and Biden used executive action, so now the whole thing's going to be tied up in courts because you have to do legislation to... Um, really make something way more permanent. Now, a lot of people are comparing this to the Paycheck Protection Program. Okay? Now, that, the PPP, was uh, done through legislation. So, it had a much stronger legal footing. And I saw a comment on IG. I was commenting on some posts, and some dude came back to me because I was like, the PPP wasn't really a loan. He's like, it was a loan. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I guess it said loan, right? But it was made very clear by the government and every pundit that, hey, if you get this money, and it's not for the business owner, it's to pay his employees. And if you get this money and you pay your employees with it, pay their payroll, then we're going to forgive it. That was made pretty obvious from almost the very beginning. And so that's a lot different. And then the other argument, the, the, why the comparison is dumb, is with the PPP loan, I mean, the government shut down people's businesses. Many of them did not survive. So they forced these employees to shut down their business. So the comparison is disingenuous because nobody's forcing you to go to college. And nobody's forcing you to take out big chunks of money. Now, I don't think student loans are bad per se, um, because it does allow you to get higher education. And then throughout, it's been proven many, many times, uh, college graduates will earn more in their lifetime than a non-college degree having people. So uh, the problem is it costs too much, guys. That's all, it is. that's all it is. And this will, and that's what, even though I benefit from it, I'd say I'm against this because all this is going to do is subsidize higher education even more. And Hey, fucking Harvard has like a $45 billion endowment or something insane. Why don't they pay back their student loans? You know, and it does beg the question of fairness because a lot of people have gone to college for decades and paid their student loans back in full, and they're not going to get any uh, relief 
either. So um, there's a lot, and I can see both sides of it, but the fact remains higher education now has no incentive to lower their prices of tuition. Tuition has exploded. Why? Because now these, have you guys been on a college or university campus, like a state college or a big time university? Have you been on a campus lately? They're fucking like castles, dude. The, the sports stadiums alone. I mean, my God. And they have the best of everything. You know, a hundred years ago, it was like fucking brick buildings and windows and a dormitory and books and desks. And that was fucking pretty much it. So not to mention all the ridiculous overhead with the administration that colleges now hire. I mean, it's, it's just uh, through the roof. So that's kind of all the various things at play with the student loan forgiveness plan. Mm, let's see more details here. I'm just scrolling through if I see if I didn't cover anything here you go. Oh, this is for you. Current students may for you guys who are in college right now, you may also be eligible. Even if you haven't earned your degree yet, if you are claimed as a dependent by someone else, your eligibility will be based on that person's income and not your own. And by the way, they also extended the pause on monthly student loan payments for you currently paying until at least January. That's also new. Uh, then there's some repayment plans and capping payments. Uh, that's pretty much the whole gist of the thing. Now you guys know more about it than almost everyone. But yeah, $1.6 fucking trillion, dude. The average cost of college has risen faster than inflation. Again, in large part to these fucking insane facilities they're building now. And yes, the overhead. I mean, I think I've done a story once where some of these like major state universities, they like have like 100 people on the diversity, in the diversity department. I mean, there's like, and they're all making like six-figure salaries. It's huge. But the figure of... Student debt has skyrocketed over the last half century. I'm just reading. I'm looking at a chart right now. And, um, yeah, the it was the average student loan adjusted for inflation, by the way, in 1990 was about $10,000. And now it's about $22,700. Okay, and I have a few clips that I wanted to play. Biden gave in to it. He didn't want to like do this for a while, allegedly. Uh, and then also, this was a kind of uh, analogous to this, but more than 175,000 government and public service workers are going to have $10 billion in student loans canceled. Yeah, you didn't hear that fucking nugget, did you? The Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program... PSLF is notoriously hard to navigate and has denied cancellation for many people who thought they qualified. As a matter of fact, before Biden took office, only 7,000 borrowers ever received relief. Okay, so this was around before him. So now he's going to make it, uh, I guess, a lot easier. And this will benefit workers employed by all levels of government and in nonprofit sectors after the administration also forgave $32 billion. And that was part of those targeted student relief programs. That was like guys who went to like University of Phoenix or something and were scammed out of it. But yeah, government workers, you're going to have fucking free tuition. 
Okay, a couple sound bites I've got. Uh, here is Fox News Pete Ducey asking about who's paying for it, and he's talking to Karine Jean-Pierre. Here's what here's a lot about how much it might cost, it might not cost. Who is paying for this? What we are saying is the the work that this administration has done, the work that the Democrats in Congress has done, is actually there, and you see that the 1.7 trillion uh, deficit in deficit uh, deduction that you see is is going to benefit us in being able to do something for the middle class, to do something just, for the middle class. This is about doing something for people who make less than $125,000, $1.7 trillion. That's what we've been able to do. But when you forgive debt, you're not just disappearing debt. So but, who is paying for but, this? And then I'll give you the second part. We lifted the pause, right? We're going to lift the pause uh, at the end of this year, which is going to matter, right? Which is going to After you extended it. Uh, a lot of what, what we're doing as well. Uh, when you think about the, the $4 billion that are going, that's going to go back uh, into, as, as revenue, back into uh, this process of folks uh, paying, paying, right, their college tuition, that matters as well. Okay, let me so, stop her there because I just told you it could cost up to three. Hundred billion, so four billion, great. That's <laughs> one percent. Uh, here's top Biden advisor Bharat Ramamurti saying that there is no difference between student loan debt cancellation and PPP loans. Oh, this should be good. Um, I, I wanted to just go back to your comparison between this and the PPP loans because what Republicans and critics are saying is that there's a difference between those decisions being voted on by Congress. And, you know, those loans that turned into grants being, by and large, for, you know, to cover businesses that were shut down by the government involuntarily because of a natural disaster versus students who willfully took out their loans and are now unable for whatever reason to repay them. There is a difference there. Well, I would say they're, both actions are based on laws that Congress passed. You know, we're, we are implementing a law that Congress passed, actually a Republican Congress and Republican president in 2003, uh, the HEROES Act. And again, that's the exact same legal authority that the previous administration used to put a pause on student loan payments. That's the authority that we're using in this instance. So, uh, you know, we, we are acting consistent uh, with the law. Okay, he, he mentioned the HEROES Act. That was another thing. They're passing it. Biden is claiming he has like jurisdiction to do this unilaterally because of this law. As a matter of fact, they kind of asked the same guy about that here. Let me go to this one. Justification for this program. Um, you're using a 2003 law to justify um, why COVID's a national emergency and That's what it was. Relief, or debt relief is needed. What's your response to critics that say that that's a stretch in the law? And do you plan or does different agencies that are involved here plan to put out more legal justification for why this is okay. Well, again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. So okay, good. Thank, thanks for nothing. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the 2003 law then was something about national security. And so Biden is arguing that, hey, COVID was a national, national security, and that was a national emergency, and people could make payments, so that's why I have the authority to do this. Okay. Um, and then I have another one, but it's the same thing I said. They're comparing PPP versus student loans and again it was made clear with ppp that hey if you do this correctly and give it to your employees you're not going to be uh, you're not going to be on the hook to pay it back when you sign a student loan it's not that it's like you will pay this back otherwise it will like ruin your friggin life 
and you can't and you can't even declare bankruptcy with student loans. Remember that. Uh, here's Biden asked about it. Let's hear how this goes. What about people who paid their loans, so struggled to pay their loans? Okay, and he walks out the door. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, I do, you know, I do have a populist streak in me. And yeah, they do tons and tons of shit for rich people. So why not help out the little guy? Which I'm all about. But I think there should be some expectation of performance, right? There's no questions asked. Like, like if you racked up student loans and you in good faith went to the classes and you did well in the classes and then you graduated and you got a good job and you're uh, now on the road, you know, you were worked hard and you worked through it and you're fucking making it. I'm all about providing some kind of like help with that. But there's no requirement that you even did that. Like a lot of people like rack up student loans and just fucking go party and then they never even graduate and then do something completely different. Uh, anything else here about that? I have one more. Oh, here's Biden talking about the cost of education. This should be good. Let's hear here's this goes. Deal. Here's the deal. <clears throat> the here's the deal. Here's the deal. Beyond high school has gone up significantly. The total cost to attend a public four-year university has tripled, nearly tripled in 40 years. Why? Tripled. Why? Instead of properly funding public colleges, many states have cut back their support. We're just talking about that. False. Many states have cut back support for their their state universities, leaving students to pick up more of the tab. In 50 years, for 50 years, Pell Grants had been a key way for the federal government to help lower-income families particularly those earning less than $60,000 a year to send their kids to college. And I'm totally good with that. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Oh, shit. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Not a joke. And then kind of related to this, so then the White House started getting cute on Twitter. This is funny. This is, the, this is not Joe, at Joe Biden. Okay, it's not. It's the official at White House account, right? And normally that's a really boring account that just tweets out like, you know, statements and like, hey, it's not it's Independence Day. So they kind of got into it, though, because after the Republicans reacted to this, the White House account started tweeting out members who had received PPP loans. And because all that you can look up, people who have received PPP loans. It's all public information. So the White House account just starts uh, uh, in six tweets. They were quoting Republican representatives' criticisms of the student loan plan and replying with how much money that member of Congress had accepted and forgiven loans as part of PPP. Again, not exactly the same as I went into exhaustively earlier. For example, Representative Kevin Hearn, I don't know where he's from, he tweeted out, to recap, in the last two weeks, the party of the people has supercharged the IRS to go after working-class Americans, raise their taxes, and force them to pay for other people's college degree. The White House account, quote, tweeting them, responded by saying, Congressman Kevin Hearn had over $1 million in PPP loans forgiven. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, and it's, and it's good. It's, on its face, that's a sick burn. But remember, he didn't get most of that money. The money goes to the employees, and you had to use it for payroll. That was pretty fucking spelled out. But yeah, I get it. 
And even the New York Times admits that in the article they did about the White House account. It's the PPP loans were effectively designed to be forgiven. That's a direct quote from the New York Times guy arguing with me on Instagram. The federal government offered them without the traditional standard of vetting for business loans in an effort to quickly distribute money to businesses that were struggling. Nearly every company with 500 or fewer workers qualified for these loans, which were forgiven so long as the money went to permitted costs. There you go. Okay. Fuck, I want to move on from this. This is a, I know this is a lot. <laughs> this is a lot. Um, yeah, did you hear Biden? He was trying to say uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene because she's one of the, you know, the congresswoman chick from Georgia who's a big MAGA chick. And uh, they caught up with Biden. He asked about this. Uh, you know what? It's not actually the audio is not very good, so I'll just read it to you. But Biden said he finds it fascinating that some of the folks that are talking about this big spending are the same people who got 158000 in PPP money, including what's-her-name, that woman who believes anyway, and he walks off. That was funny. Okay, that's it, though, for domestic stuff. Let's fucking keep going. And I'm exhausted from that. I'm already sweating, you guys. It's, it's like a friggin' sauna in here. The dog over here is on nat watch, and he's snapping his jaws <laughs> viciously at anything that floats by him in the air. I don't know if you could hear it or not. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, absolutely fantastic. So um, I kind of wanted to do something fun. If I can get this page open here. Yeah, the pop-up ads always kill me. And then, like, for some reason, it'll just... They just won't go away. Like I'll, I'll click X of it all the time and it's, it just never fucking stops. So let's keep going though. And go to, do, 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 do. um, as I go down here, the one I wanted guys is, is really good, but I'm not going to be able to get into it right now. So I'm going to have to go on. So let's go to this one. Cause this was fun. Let's go to Scotland. <laughs> this is great. Um, a pervert Scots dad, this is a tabloid, who boasted of micropenis during vile chat with decoy child has been jailed. This is Alan McCormick. He thought he was speaking to a 12-year-old girl online when he sent her twisted chats about his, quote, tiny little thing, end quote, and telling her she was, quote, out of my league, end quote. He's 52. He then sent videos of himself pleasuring himself to two other girls who he thought they were 12 and 13, but those accounts actually belong to adults posing as children. Um, this is a married father of two who claimed he was a virgin. He also shared clips of himself urinating into a toilet. Dude, can you imagine? What do you do when your dad, when you find out that your dad fucking did something like this as a kid? Like the cops come to your door, like, mommy, what did daddy do? Well, he was fucking, <laughs> he, was, he was sending fucking little girls pictures of his micro penis. Yeah. So he was caught in 2018, but he was just arrested recently and he's been placed on the sex offender registry. His, his children are grown by the way. Um, and he has been jailed for two years and eight months. That's not bad, but he's always going to be on the sex offenders register. So, the, yeah, they set up a fake account, and they pretended to be a 12-year-old girl named Maddie. And the profile then received a number of messages from another account under the name of Alan M., which featured a topless picture of McCormick. Oh, that's a fucking nice sight. I can see his picture. He's a big, fat, lard ass. 
So it's uh, only creepy. But um, the pedo dad wrote, you're stunning, out of my league, unless you like an older virgin man with a tiny little thing. Then she said she was 12, and he replied, quote, I'm older and a virgin. I only have a little dick, end quote. Maddie, the fake, told him she didn't know what that was, and he said, quote, a penis, end quote. Then he asked her for her email address so he could send photos and, quote, you can laugh at me in my tiny micro little thing, end quote. <laughs> oh, and then he fucking, he goes, he, he asked for, uh, he wants explicit photos, and then he kept fucking sending her pictures. He even told her he went to the toilet. My penis had shrunk to under one and a half inches. <laughs> and he began telling her about pleasuring himself. And then, yeah, he fucking went ahead and sent the video of himself doing it anyway. Man, imagine if that's your dad. That's all I think about now. Imagine if that's your dad. Okay, let's keep going here. Um, Let's return to some international news. Uh, quick, uh, just some headlines here. Northern Ethiopia has resumed fighting. You guys remember I covered that for a long time. That was the border of that Tigray region, the Civil War. Yeah, fighting uh, came back on that on Wednesday of last week. That shattered a five-month ceasefire between the rebels and the government and raising fears for the six million people already trapped in one of the world's worst humanitarian disasters. So this was the Tigrayan rebels, the Ethiopian government, uh, at each other, and both of them confirmed that fighting was taking place around the town of Kobo in northern Ethiopia following weeks of military buildup on both sides of the front line. Each side accused the other of firing first. Also, an Ethiopian airstrike hit a kindergarten as the fighting spread out in that region. Local medics have claimed that seven people died in that airstrike, including several children. And that was two days after that fighting erupted on the southeastern border of the Tigray region. And it's, it's just a shit show over there. They have, like, no food. They have half of Tigray's 6 million people on the verge of starvation. They don't have any medicine. They don't have any fuel. And pretty much everything's gone to shit. So look for even more pain and misery in that. Uh, let's go to Canada. You guys know, what, what's one of the things I love? A heist story. This is good. It is among the most fo famous photographic images of a statesman. Have you guys seen that one picture of Winston Churchill? It's like a portrait taken, right? It was taken in December 1941 in Ottawa by a renowned portraitist named Yusuf Karsh. And it's the one of Churchill. He's standing in front of some like wood oak paneling and he's in his suit and he's got his hand on his hip and a, his other hand on a chair. And he's kind of scowling towards the camera. Like I'm so serious, mister. And uh, he's wearing a, like a watch chain and a vest and a bow tie. It's a very famous picture. If you Google Winston Churchill, it's probably the first one that comes up. Uh, so, for decades, an original signed print of that image has hung on a wall in a landmark hotel in Ottawa. But then on Friday, an employee noticed that something was off with the photograph. The frame was askew, and it did not match, or th match the others on the wall. This was the Fairmont Chateau Laurier. 
And when the hotel called Jerry Fiedler, the director of Yusuf Karsh's estate, he thought that there was no chance that the picture could have been replaced by a copy. But fucking guess what? The hotel sent him a close-up picture of what was supposed to be Karsh's signature, and Fiedler knew immediately it had been forged. He said, quote, this was a heist. This photograph was taken in 1941 after Churchill addressed the Canadian Parliament during World War II. And uh, the photograph is known as the Roaring Lion for the fierce gaze of the British leader and the defiance that many said it captured. Like I said, very famous picture. And it catapulted Mr. Karsh, who was an Armenian-Canadian, then 33 years old, to international fame. And he went on to photograph many other people. Uh, So, to get down with it, the Fairmont Hotel said it informed the local authorities of the picture's disappearance. And now they're trying to narrow down when it happened, right? So, now people are sending in their private pictures where they had posed for a picture next to the famous picture of Churchill. So that, and when they got all those pictures, they narrowed it down that the picture had been taken um, sometime between December 25th and January 6th of this year. So they're still asking people to contact them. Um, When Karsh closed his studio, his negatives were given to Library and Archives Canada. No copies were allowed. The only prints in existence were those made by Karsh himself before 1992. Um, Anything fucking about this? Like, do they have any clues? No, that's it. That's all we got, guys. So somebody fucking just slipped a fake in there, and it lasted. When did they find this? When did they find this out? Yeah, it lasted until it was on Friday. So it just happened. So somebody took it late December, early January, and it was good enough to sit there for six months. But that's crazy. Again, that's the thing, really thing with high, with really famous pictures, right? You can't sell that. You'll be arrested immediately. So what do you do with it? Was this taken by just a private collector who just wanted to have it? Because that's really the only plausible thing you could do. Or sell it for cash. Some guy took it and he had a, he had a buyer lined up. I don't know. Okay, let's go to Singapore. This is a good story. Singapore to repeal ban on sex between consenting men. Yes. In announcing the move, Prime Minister Lee Sien Lung took a step long sought by gay rights advocates. However, he said same-sex marriage would continue to be illegal. (laughs) Well, best of both worlds, dudes. Guys, you get to fucking plow each other all night and day. And even if your partner wanted to get married, you'd be like, hey, it's not allowed. We don't want to break the law, do we? There's a, there's some, uh, oh, okay. Here's the guy. Here's the leader actually talking about it. I've never heard him. Let's listen to remain a broadly conservative society, gay people are now better accepted in Singapore, especially among younger Singaporeans. The government will repeal Section 377A and decriminalize sex between men. <laughs> I believe I this is the right thing to do and something that most Singaporeans will now accept. All right, there you go. And, uh, yeah, I agree with them. Yeah, fucking they're not hurting anybody. I mean, I don't know if they do what we do over here. They have, like, a, do you think they have cruising over in Singapore? I'm sure. I think, I think that's a worldwide phenomenon. 
I've talked about that a couple of times. You know, dudes like gay dudes like to fucking bang each other in like, you know, truck stops and saunas and shit like that. That's like kind of a cultural thing. Even when now in 2022, we have like hotel rooms you could easily get and nobody would care. You know, it's still like kind of hot to go down to the fucking Central Park and hide in the bushes and bang it out. I wonder, I'm, I'm, I bet that's a global phenomenon. But I have no idea. Gay guys, gay listeners, uh, hit me up on the on that on the DMs. <laughs> Let me know if that's uh, strictly American or if that's worldwide. I think it's worldwide. So this law, by the way, it, ha- it hasn't been enforced for 15 years. So they just decided. It was enacted in 1938 during British rule. Oh, and notably, that law, the original, Section 377A, it did not apply to women. So they were like, hey... You chicks can fucking scissor each other until you're fucking out of your mind. But you dudes, no fucking spit roasting each other. No boring each other out. No burying the old twig and berries. And uh, that's it. You can't do it. So good for you, Singapore. Guys, fucking pop those Viagras. Go nuts. What else? A couple other uh, international news stories. Hungary has fired its top weather officials after an inaccurate forecast. The National Meteorologic Service predicted a severe storm over the weekend, prompting the excuse me, prompting the government to postpone fireworks planned for a national holiday. The weather ended up being calm. <laughs> oh no. Yep, the country's top two weather officials were fired. Yeah, the government postponed fireworks um, for the national holiday of Hungary, which is called St. Stephen's Day, seven hours before the fireworks were were scheduled to begin. So on Sunday, the, the meteorologic service issued an apology saying that the weather on Saturday had been the least likely scenario based on their models. They said on their Facebook page, quote, unfortunately, this uncertainty factor is part of our profession. We have tried to communicate this as well, end quote. By Monday, the head of the weather service and her deputy had been fired by Hungary's innovation minister. <laughs> Did they say who they were? They named the guys? No. They have not named the actual meteorologists. But Hungary's innovation minister is a guy named Laszlo Palkovic. He's a top official under Prime Minister Viktor Orban. Yes, uh, South Korea, quickly. They have broken the record for the world's lowest fertility rate again. As know I'm fascinated with demographic change. But yeah, census data showed on Wednesday, experts project their fertility rate will drop even further this year adding to concerns about the country's shrinking and aging population. As recently as 1970, the fertility rate was 4.53. Remember, that is the average the fertility rate is the average number of children born to a woman during her reproductive years, okay? So in 1970 it was four and a half children average, right? That was the first year they started compiling it. The total fertility rate then began to sink quickly in the 2000s, and it dropped below one in 2018. That's fucking like the blink of an eye in evolutionary terms. And now it has declined for the sixth straight year to 0.81 children. And they think it might drop below 0.8 this year. 
that's insane. By, by comparison, the fertility rate was 1.66 in the U.S. and 1.37 in Japan. A fertility rate of 2.1 is needed for a population to remain the same size without any migration. Like if you just just have kids. Yeah, this is a big, you know, this is going on all over the world. I remember like, I don't remember, I don't have it in front of me, but like this happened in Mexico. It was also a huge drop. And in Iran, it was a huge drop. In both of those countries, the fertility rate from went from something like 7 to like 2 in like 40 years. Again, just dropping that. So if you don't have people moving to your country, your population is going to go down. And they've already projected that the global population, which is going to skyrocket, will also, they've also already mapped out the decline in the global population as well. So I'm really interested in that stuff. Uh, quickly, you guys remember last week, I started off with the then-breaking Al-Shabaab attack on the Somali Hotel. At the time, it was a dozen dead. Well, the uh, just a quick update for you. That 30-hour siege by the Al-Shabaab militants at the upscale hotel in Mogadishu has left 21 people dead and more than 100 wounded. That was at the Hayat Hotel on Friday. Uh, I, I said last week it was very popular with uh, people visiting and uh, even like uh, government ministers, shit like that. Just after 7 p.m. local time, the militants barged in, seizing the premises, killing patrons, and setting off a battle with security officers. 117 wounded. Jeez. 15 of the wounded were in critical condition, so this could still go up. That was the first complex and sustained assault carried out by al-Shabaab in the Somali capital of Mogadishu since Hassan Sheikh Mohammed was elected president in May and joins a long list of deadly strikes on hotels, restaurants, and public spaces in Mogadishu over the past decade and a half in which hundreds of civilians lost their lives in a city trying to rebuild after that devastating civil war they had. Um, yeah, they, they had fucking... They began cleaning out the area after they got through the initial siege, but the hotel was still had all kinds of unexploded bombs from the militants. And you can see photos and videos. It's like just freaking devastated. Uh, and Shabab has continued to gain strength in recent years. They've even gone into Kenya and they've even gone into Ethiopia. Propaganda is their main tool. They fucking do those slick videos now. You don't need much to do a high quality propaganda film anymore. Shit, you could do one with an iPhone and a couple of uh, mic. Uh, you could do one with an iPhone, a couple external mics, and some uh, a laptop with uh, some editing software. Okay, what else do I have? Um, just go on here. Uh, quickly, let's do a quick Russia-Ukraine war update. Uh, what's going on over there? Well, uh, exciting news. Inspectors are set to visit that Ukrainian nuclear plant. Told you about that last week. Russia and Ukraine are accusing each other of shelling the Ugh, this one's tough. Is it Zaporizhia plant? Yeah. It's got two fucking Zs in it. Come on. Well, the UN now, their nuclear watchdog, has assembled a team of experts to visit the facility. So that's good. Um, shells have hit near there, if not right on the plant. And that plant is Europe's largest nuclear power station. 
a list of the team's members uh, includes the nuclear agency's chief, a guy from Argentina, and 13 other experts from mostly neutral countries. Neither the U.S. nor Britain is represented because they think that would be biased. So, but even as details of a possible visit began to take shape, they again started blaming each other for shelling the facility. And they're fucking kind of hiding out there, the Russians, because, you know, Ukraine obviously is going to be hesitant to lob a bunch of HIMARS over there. That would fuck up the entire continent. Uh, Western officials criticized Russia for blocking a joint UN document on nuclear disarmament. Um, that was just, uh, you know, UN gobbledygook stuff. I'm just scrolling down a live updates page here, seeing if there's anything really good that I might have missed. One thing Ukraine is doing is taunting Russia now. And yeah, they're fucking mocking poking the bear, as they say. Including that mock parade staged by Ukraine featuring dozens of captured Russian tanks down the Central Avenue in Kiev. You guys see that? Yeah. And uh, they're goading them. So, this is, uh, you know, to be expected from the former actor president, Volodymyr Zelensky. He's a comedic actor. He knows well mockery and how to poke the bear himself. So, yeah, good for them. Of course, you know, this is, you know, their Ukraine, it's great. I'm glad they're standing up for themselves. But as I said at the beginning of this, when this kicked off in February, I was like, if, if it was just Russia and Ukraine... Yeah, they would have been over a long time ago because Russia just outgunned them. But since then, we've given them fucking the best weapons on the planet and real-time intelligence targeting. So, of course, they're fucking kicking the shit out of these Russians. And the Russian army is, as I've gone over, uh, pretty pathetic. And as a matter of fact, the Russian army, Putin, is ordering a sharp expansion of the Russian army. So, yeah, just more for the meat grinder. This is a reversal of years of efforts by the Kremlin to actually slim down that military because back in the day, you know, it was all bloated and corrupt and uh, Putin was trying to make it a slimmer, more agile, more, uh, more dangerous, deadly, modern military. And I still remember that because like right before the war kicked off, I read articles where these experts are like, oh no, this is not the same old Russian army. And, you know, what do I know? I'm going off what the experts say. And all these experts are saying like this Russian army, man, it's not like the Russian army of the 80s. And then they go in Ukraine, <laughs> they're running out of gas and shit, fucking a thousand kilometer long tank columns, stuff like that. Just horrible tactics. So they want to raise the target number of active duty service members by about 137,000 to 1.15 million total members as of January of next year. So this is the first time in five years that Putin had issued an order changing the overall headcount of the Russian armed forces. And uh, by the way, speaking of that and us, Biden has announced another package for Ukraine. This one's a nearly $3 billion package of arms and equipment for Ukraine. This is the largest single package of military aid. Remember, the total amount, we also gave them a shitload of money to prop up their economy. This is just the military aid. But that announcement was on Ukraine's Independence Day and the six-month anniversary of the war. Just by sheer coincidence, they fell on the same day. So, uh, yeah, the uh, 
They've given now more than $10 billion worth of weapons and other equipment, and this is all part of the $40 billion assistance package Congress approved last May. I have seen scuttlebutt on social media from some big military accounts. I can't verify any of this, but these military meme accounts and stuff, they say they're getting messages from active duty troops who are, these guys are like, yo, they told me to take up every javelin in here and fucking turn it over and blah, blah, blah. We don't have any left. I have, I have no way of knowing if any of that's true. And then last week, earlier in the week, the, what about that fucking car bomb near Moscow? Did you guys see that? It was in a Moscow suburb. It was a car bombing, and it killed the daughter of a big fucking backer of President Vladimir Putin. And this was the killing of Daria Dugina, 29 years old. She is a hawkish political commenter who is the daughter of the philosopher Alexander Dugin, long a leading proponent of an imperialist Russia who has been urging the Kremlin to escalate their assault on Ukraine. Yeah, the Russian state television is calling this a terrorist act. They said the attended target had been Mr. Dugan. It ended up killing his daughter instead because he had taken a different car at the last minute, according to Russian news reports. Take all that with a grain of salt. Um, there's no evidence released that the attack was connected to the war in Ukraine, but obviously they pinned it on Ukraine right behind it. The Kremlin has not said anything. An advisor to Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine said his country had no role in it. So, <laughs> it's a rare attack on the member of the uh, pro-Kremlin elite. They used to have this back in the 1990s. They used to have all kinds of assassinations in Moscow. So she, Dugina, the chick, she wasn't really known in Russia beyond these ultra-nationalist and imperialist Russian circles, but now, like, this is a big deal. So now fucking calls for escalation are growing louder, and people are uh, <clears throat> pissed off at the, at the time. And I've talked to sources <clears throat> who know a lot more about me than that region, and I'm always like, well, is this going to make the people rise up against, you know, and, and back Putin even more? And, you know, a couple sources told me, like, the people really haven't fucking risen up. A lot of them think this is, like, cool and the thing to do, like, shockingly enough. But she, Dugina, was a Russian hawk. She used to fucking scream about us, uh, the, quote, global hege hegemony. And um, she would follow in her father's footsteps as a commenter. And she was still pretty young. On Thursday, two days before her death in that car bombing, she argued on state television, on a state television talk show that Quote, the Western man lives in dream. <laughs> A dream he got from his global hegemony. End quote. And then on Friday, she delivered a lecture on, quote, mental maps and the role in network-centric warfare. End quote. Describing atrocities committed by Russian soldiers in Bucha. And before she died on Saturday, she had attended a nationalist festival with her father outside of Moscow called Traditions. There was a selfie posted by a Russian nationalist musician <laughs> with Dugina appearing alongside her father, Alexander Dugin. Uh, she had been like put on, like British government put sanctions on her, um, all, all kinds of other shit. So now Dugin is uh, calling for Russia to punish Ukraine for her death. And he's like a big deal over there. He's like, uh, some people call him the, the Putin's philosopher.
And he was a big-time promoter of the war in Ukraine. He is 60 years old now, by the way. And he's been an ultra-nationalist guy for a long time. Um, and he thinks that Putin is fighting against an American-led empire. So that's kind of like the whole story about that. What will happen with it? Probably more of these. We'll probably see more. Now, a some updates, because that was over the weekend. And then this week, Russian authorities blamed Ukraine for organizing the killing, but they denied to having anything to do with it. And um, then the FSB, that's the successor to Russia's KGB, they said Dugina herself was the target. So they were saying this is not a mistake. And the FSB in a statement alleged that a Ukrainian woman had been contracted to carry out the bombing, saying that she had entered Russia on July 3rd, rented an apartment in the Moscow building where Ms. Dugina lived in order to organize the murder of Dugina and obtain information about her lifestyle. And then they alleged the perpetrator of the bombing had left Russia for Estonia, later releasing video footage. So... That, though, was re rejected by Estonia because they say that Moscow has not reached out to them at all for help with the Dugina investigation. They said they've received no official request for information or any cooperation from Moscow in this. So they just fucking making shit up, probably. So that's a fascinating story over there as well. Okay, let's do... Let's go down. I want to do some more... Light stuff. Let's talk about which one did I want to get to? Um, where's that good one here? I'm gonna. Well, I'll come back to that. But let's uh, let's talk about the Mark Zuckerberg clip. This is this is fascinating. This is Mark Zuckerberg on Joe Rogan, and he told Joe, Joe Rogan, did Zuckerberg, that Facebook used their algorithm to suppress Hunter Biden laptop articles for seven days in 2020 because the FBI had warned his team of an impending, quote, Russian disinformation, end quote, dump before the story broke. So I have the clip, and let's play Mark Zuckerberg and hear it for ourselves. How do you guys handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial? Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New York Post. Yeah, we Post. have that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well? So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically the background here is the FBI, I think basically came to us, uh, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was, the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said, you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have, um, if something is reported to us as potentially um, misinformation, important misinformation, we, we also have this third party fact checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false. And for the, who are they? I think it was, five or seven days when it was basically being um, being determined whether it was false. Um, the distribution on Facebook was decreased, but people were still allowed to share it. So you could still share it. 
you could still consume it. So when um, you say the distribution has decreased, in it, it got shared. How it, does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less. So fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, <laughs> a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, you know, obviously this is a hyper-political issue, so depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much, but right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I, no, I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was. It basically fit the pattern. Okay, so there you have it. Now, what I my understanding is, they prevented it from being shared, like so you couldn't post it, but you could like DM it to somebody, which is the same as not being able to share it, pretty much, because you'd have to like send it individually to like every other person that you wanted to see it. So. You know, who who knows? You know, they should... Uh, I noticed that the, a lot of the censorship only happens in one direction, though. But, but yeah, I, I, will, I will say at least they, like, had it on Facebook because Twitter, you know, they locked the New York Post out of their account for even doing that. And I know the New York Post in the past has been a tabloid kind of journalistic outfit, but they've broken a lot of important stories uh, in, you know, the past decade. And that was one of them. You know, and it was all because people were like, okay, the laptop was real. That turned out to be real. It was a real guy. And then people were trying to say in the resistance, like, oh, you know where that laptop's been. Everything could have been loaded onto that laptop. All those emails talking about, uh, you know, the big guy and Joe and uh, you know, all this shit and all the China and China fucking uh, money pouring in. Somebody could have planted those emails on the laptop. And it, but you also had all the pictures of fucking Hunter smoking crack. <laughs> Showing off his dick and all that. It's like, come on, dude. Nobody did that. That was a real thing. So Zuckerberg's like, hey, man, what do you want from me? And uh, yeah, what do you want from him? Let's keep going. That's what happened with that one. Uh, a couple quick headlines here. Remember the Brinks truck heist out here in Cali? Well, Originally, they said both drivers went in to get something to eat, but now it came out that the there was a guy sleeping in there, and this was a new lawsuit. And Brinks now says that one of their security guards was asleep behind the wheel or in the cab somehow during that multi-million dollar jewel heist in Southern California. So this lawsuit, which was filed in U.S. District Court, in the Southern District of New York, states that ahead of the robbery, quote, per Department of Transportation regulations, driver one left driver two asleep in the truck and went into the Flying J truck stop for food. He returned to the truck about 27 minutes later and saw that the red plastic seal around the trailer was cut and lying on the ground. Then he inspected the lock and found that it had, begun, it had been cut away. Brinks claims the total value of their cargo was $8,700,000 U.S. And Brinks is filing a lawsuit because they say they have good reason to believe that the defendants, the people shipping all the jewelry, under-declared the value of their shipments. That way Brinks wouldn't charge them as much or something. And Brinks is claiming 
um, that local media reported that the value of the missing shipment was more than $100 million. And they're filing a lawsuit because they say, hey, no, that's not what you said when you fucking filled out the manifest. So, but the the one key thing that came out was that a guy was in the fucking cab asleep. So, good good job, dude. Oh, man. Uh, quick, some bad car stories. Five young people were killed in a crash in southwest Miami-Dade County by a fucking guy driving the wrong way. Super sad. 19, 21 years, 19 years old, 21, 21, 17, and 18-year-old. It was a wrong way crash last weekend at 4.30 a.m. The group was driving home after a night out celebrating one of them receiving a college scholarship in New York, and he was supposed to leave in just a few days. This is fucking the worst thing ever. And let's see. We also had, which um, we also had this one. Did you guys see the three Indiana State students, including two football players, they were killed in a fiery 90-mile-an-hour single-car crash in a thunderstorm? 18 years old and 19 years old. Uh, the third one's age was not known, probably similar. Oh, here it is, 18, 18 19, and 19. And everybody was there at a party, probably everybody drinking, and the car left the roadway and hit a tree, burst into flames. So, really shitty. Don't drive drunk. And finally, did you see the fucking video of that driver mowing down the three dudes in Chicago? Like, he's going like 60, and these dudes go flying. If you haven't seen it, go fucking look for it. But they got the guy who did that, Tavis Dunbar, 34 years old. He's been charged with three counts of first-degree murder. And Dunbar, it's now being reported, had some chilling words before killing the three men in his cousin's car outside that Chicago gay bar after an argument. Apparently, he hit the men going 60 miles an hour after yelling, quote, I got something for you motherfuckers, end quote, before driving into them with the car. Yeah, dude. Just ruined your life because you fucking couldn't just go home. It's nuts. Oh, and then also one of you guys sent me this story. Two are shot dead and four more injured at a Kentucky men's homeless shelter when a 37-year-old resident of the shelter went on a gun rampage as church services finished. 37-year-old Kenneth Gibb was tracked down and arrested after two hours of the shooting. About 15 people were inside the facility when Gibbs burst into it. This was the Harbor House Christian Center in Henderson, Kentucky. And, yeah, dude, fucking, was he, and he was staying at the shelter? Harbor House is a Christian-based homeless shelter and a safe harbor for men in need. Yeah, dude. People ran out of there screaming, like, no motive published on that so far. All right. Oh, this was, and then this is a big, like, this is a great audio. Guys, I had to battle. Did I put, do I put in the shorter, clearer audio or the less clear, longer audio? I made the decision to go with the second one because it was just nonstop quality content. These are the three Indian women at the center of, 
of the racist attack when a 58-year-old Texas realtor named Esmeralda Upton flew into a rage when she came across the group of four Indian women outside the 60 Vines Wine Bar in Plano, Texas. And yes, she has been arrested, but I have I don't know if I'm going to play this whole thing because it goes on for like over five minutes and she keeps going back for more. But here we go. Her full name is Esmeralda Amenderiz Upton. And they, of course, Twitter immediately found out she was a realtor for who she worked for, that she was a parishioner at a Catholic church. So without further ado, here we go. We don't want you here. We don't want you here. If things are so great in your country, then stay there. You were not talking to you. You came here. Get lost. No, runs at him. Come closer. Come closer. Oh my God, guys, record. She's hitting me. She's hitting me. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, she's hitting me. Oh, she's hitting me. She's hitting me. <laughs> Walking off. Hurry ass bitches. Ooh. She's going to come back, though, again. Talking to the cops. She is, um, she is just accusing us. She's making racist slurs. She came to hit my friend and she's coming back to me right now. She's standing in front of me. We have it all on video. There are four of us. Yeah, and she she threatened us with. She threatened. Okay. Uh, she's, uh, she's a white woman wearing a black dress. No, I'm not white. I'm Mexican. She's Mexican. I'm Mexican. And I paid my fucking way here. Hit oh her my again. God, she's hitting my friend now. She's I am not hitting your friend. You guys are all about. I don't know, but you know she what? just hit my phone. She just hit my phone. I'm in a video. Yeah. I'm at the 69 parking lot. Oh, here. Can you here's please send some video. Video. Oh, these fucking Indians. They come to America yes. because they want a better life. Yes, but they're obviously not living the great life in India. No, she has a bag, but that's good. Now she's filming them. Why did you walk up to us to talk to you? Yes. Because I hate you fucking Indians. That's why. Did you guys come to our country? If you are Mexican, why don't you go back to Mexico? I'm a Mexican-American. I was born here. Are you born here? Why is you think that because of the way you speak? Because I'm a Mexican-American? But I speak English. The four of us were talking. What, why would you yeah, they are speaking English, too. Now she's hitting the third person. I'm not going to talk to you when you have because your I don't camera on. Do you want to turn your fucking camera off? I'm happy to talk. Oh, uh, don't do that. Just she's go away. You the one who came and talked to me. I'm talking to my friends. Everywhere I fucking go, you Indians are fucking everywhere. So she's... If life... Here, and I'm, please, I'm, I'm just, just saying, this. Life is so great in India. She's, why the fuck are y'all here? I don't know if you can see. Why is she coming back? She's coming back. She's a country. I am a natural citizen here. You are a natural citizen. You're not a born and
Okay, and, and it, this video goes on, but I'm just going to stop it there. But you can see it's it's very very good. So look for the five minute plus version. Uh, yeah, and you hear this fucking chick, and she keeps like walking off and coming back, you know, like reengaging, and then like some of the Indian chicks are like, oh yeah, well let's have a debate. Don't want to just get away from her. And yeah, eventually in the video, the uh, cops show up and she's carted away. So fantastic. We haven't had a good Karen fucking clip in a long time. That was a good one. All right, uh, some other headlines. Remember the singer Naomi Judd died uh, April 2022? Well, they released the autopsy. She did die from a single gunshot wound to the head, which is kind of, isn't statistically, isn't it kind of rare for women to go out that way? I think I read somewhere, like men do that a lot. They use a, a firearm where women will do like fucking pills or strangle themselves or something like that in a theory. Maybe they don't want to, have their fucking brains splattered all over everything. Well, she left a suicide note too after suffering with depression. They say anything about the note? Two weeks before her death, she was uh, standing on stage with her daughter Winona at a surprise reunion at the Country Music Awards. You'd think like life would be pretty good, dude. Man, you just don't know what fucking people are going through in their head. According to the report, the gunshot perforated through the right side of the scalp and entered the skull through an entrance-type gunshot wounds. Well, maybe it was just a... Maybe it was a small caliber. Because it doesn't say anything about an exit wound. Or maybe it does later in the report. So, I'm surprised at that. I did not think she actually shot herself. All right. How about this one? A woman... That's why I included this one. A 31-year-old woman killed three male family members, including her father and brother-in-law, before turning the gun on herself in a Massachusetts triple murder suicide. Um, this has been updated as of 25 August. In this story, I have, do they, I, I do not believe, yeah, they don't name them. They probably have named them by now. But they found a 31-year-old woman uh, dead with a self-inflicted gunshot wound in a car in a store parking lot. And police now believe that 31-year-old woman shot and killed her father, 66, brother-in-law, 34, and her brother-in-law's father, 56, before turning the gun on herself. Neighbors were close to the scene, the first scene on Rockaway Street in Lynn, Massachusetts, and they reported hearing up to 20 shots at the scene. She just emptied the magazine on her dad or whoever she got first. Uh, let's see how did it play out. The first scene was two men, 66 and 34. Okay, so the first scene was she killed her father and her brother-in-law. Um, yeah. And then they killed the, she killed the 56-year-old in a minivan. They identified the woman as a possible suspect before finding her dead inside her car. How about that? Fucking woman going on a shooting rampage. You don't see that often either. Uh, pop quiz, guys. I know this is your favorite thing. Who is... This is an easy one. Come on. Who is Rayshard Brooks? Anybody remember? Rayshard Brooks. Come on, you know that. He was the 27-year-old Atlanta man who was shot dead in 2020 by the police outside the Wendy's in Atlanta. You remember that? Yep, that was June 2020. 
And this was at the height of the fucking George Floyd protests. It happened just weeks after Floyd was killed in Minneapolis. So the fucking BLM guys got out. They brought out all the old favorites, the Molotov cocktails, everything else, uh, Antifa, and they fucking burnt that Wendy's to the ground where Brooks was shot dead. Well, the news is two Atlanta police officers were not will not face charges. That just came out. They said their deadly force was reasonable, and it was fucking obvious. I remember at the time when the podcast at the pod, I played the audio from the cop's body cam, and they were totally chill at first because remember, Rayshard Brooks fucking passed out at the wheel in the drive-thru. So that's why they were called to the Wendy's. Because they're like, hey, we got a fucking guy passed out in his car, and he's not waking up, and he's blocking the whole drive-thru lane. So then Garrett Rolf, um, who had lost his job during it, by the way, was uh, found to have uh, reasonable. And Garrett Rolf fatally shot Brooks twice in the back as he ran from cops, and that was the big thing. But remember, Rayshard Brooks had taken a taser from the cops, and yeah, that was and it was chill for a while. Um, when the officers attempt to arrest him on a DUI charge, he was cool for a while. He consented to a field alcohol test. It was returned with a result above the legal limit of .08. And so then they went to detain him, and he was super friendly up until that point. And then he began beating on them. Um, and Brooks then took Officer Brosnan, that's the other cop, he took his taser and fired it once at Rolf. He missed him, but remember, a taser, according to the department's own fucking regulations, is considered a deadly weapon. So then Rolf fired three shots at Brooks, hitting him twice in the back and killed him. Yeah, he had been charged. Rolf was charged with 11 counts over Brooks's death, including felony murder. <laughs> you believe this shit? Again, you have to consider the time it was in. And uh, yeah, they were found. Uh, and, and I played the whole thing. It was pretty obvious they did nothing wrong. You don't know because there was there's another shot in that taser. You're gonna fucking take a chance. This guy has already fired one in your face once. He's gonna do it again. No. And if you don't like the law, hey, I have an idea. Don't fucking pass out in the Wendy's drive-thru and then fight with fight with the cops. And then take the taser from the cops and then shoot at the cops. And speaking of huge assholes, how about this audio? You guys remember this name? Daryl Brooks. Have you memory hold that name? Yeah. Daryl Brooks. He is the man accused of using that car to kill children and the elderly at the Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. You guys remember that one? He's the one who plowed his car through the fucking Christmas parade. Well, yeah, he was in court. He was making some kind of court appearance. And remember, he's a convicted sex offender. His social media showed all kinds of support for Antifa and BLM and all that. But, you know, this attack was a memory hold. He killed a bunch of old white ladies, so nobody cared. Anyway, here's Daryl Brooks talking to the judge. He had a little bit of an outburst. Let's hear how this went. Mr. Brooks, sit okay. here, act like you know me. People like you don't, y'all don't know nothing about where I come from. Mr. Brooks, you push me, dog. Don't push back, then. Mr. Brooks, don't push back. Push me in. Mr. Brooks, we have to continue with this hearing. No, I'm worried about, man. Don't put your hand on me, dude. Nobody put their hands on you. Man, yeah, they better not put their hand on me. Okay, Mr. Brooks, you need to look at me for a minute, okay? Why? 
Uh, 
uh, I'm sorry, the Uvalde school police chief. You guys remember Uvalde? The whole terrible student massacre? Well, the chief, Pete Arredondo, has been criticized for waiting too long to rescue students, and now he has been terminated by the school board in Uvalde, Texas. And Pete Arredondo had directed the district's police response to a mass shooting at the elementary school in which the gunman was allowed to remain in a pair of classrooms for more than 75 freaking minutes. And it was just incomprehensible, as I've said many times. And it was at Robb Elementary School. You guys all know this. It left 19 children and two teachers dead after fucking Salvador Ramos, not named here, in the story, because they don't like to do that, but of course the steel trap mind remembers. Salvador Ramos was allowed to carry his AR-15 style rifle and go through and massacre people as the cops stood outside and basically did nothing. Fucking worst story ever. Really, really shitty. And then the other police story I had right next to it, uh, in San Jose, the average police officer salary is now $189,000. That does not include benefits. That's the average police salary. Wow. For a junior officer, the average salary is about $165,000. The mayor of San Jose, Sam Licardo, makes $198,000. So, yeah, police officers, you know, the first responders out here do well. I've talked about the lifeguards before who fucking make bank and some of the big county firefighters, they make bank. I mean, I get it, dude. I want to have them well paid. No, you know, Nobody supports the cops and firefighters more than me. I want them well paid. There comes to a certain point where you're like, dude, and dudes do play the system big fucking time. I've gone over that a few times as well. Shit like saving vacation pay for years until the very last year because in California, uh, government contracts and, and the police unions have made it so that they base your retirement off just your last year of pay. For comparison, in the military, it's three years. So dudes would save up all this vacation time and then on their last year, they would add all of that to their last year's salary. So it was like a huge amount. And then they would get like 95% of that. So it is a bit much. But at the same time, you want your cops to live in San Jose, right? If they're police officers and San Jose is expensive. So it's a tough one. All right, let's go to my man. As I've warned you guys, I'll cover him a lot. Gavin Newsom. Uh, he fucking uh, was in the news, uh, first of all. He banned the sale of new calif- gasoline cars. <laughs> this is too- and you know what's great? This wasn't even like he's for it. He's bragging about it, as I'll play in a second. But this was not passed by the legislature. I don't know if a lot of headlines missed that, but but this was put into place by California regulators. Yeah, not the legislature. And they will put in place a sweeping plan to restrict and ultimately ban the sale of gas-powered cars. That was detailed on Wednesday. California is the largest auto market in the U.S. Um, They think most states will adopt similar rules, but I don't know about that. Because right now, it's still, as I've gone through exhaustively, the infrastructure 
is just not good enough. And 2035 will be here pretty fucking quick. The rule was issued by the unelected California Air Resources Board. Uh, and they have interim targets. By 2026, 35% of new passenger vehicles must produce zero emissions. And by 2030, it must be 68%. That is going to be very, very hard to meet. I have no fucking intention of giving up the 2003 V8 Toyota 4Runner, a.k.a. best fucking car ever made. So I'm just going to have to hang on to it. And this follows that climate law that Biden signed last week. Do they say anywhere in this article how many cars sold now are zero emission? Um, you know, all the, it's funny because all the stooges at the CEOs at all the car manufacturers are like, oh, yes, we are. We are to we're totally down for this. <laughs> Um, General Motors said that they also have a goal of selling only electrical vehicles by 2035. Mm, let me see here. Here we go. State officials say that about 16% of cars sold in California today are electric, up from 12.4% last year. Really? Hmm. All that jumped up big. But I just don't know. Like, again, electric cars are great for homeowners who have a second car. <laughs> this is like your runaround town car. It's great for that. I'm all about electric vehicles, as I told you guys. They're not good enough. Oh, and did you see floating around on social media this week? Somebody at a car dealership needed their battery, went to shit in their electric car, and the charge for the new battery was like $27,000. They had their quote and their bill laid out and somebody took a picture with it that was floating around i can't verify that but i saw a bunch of like big accounts retweeting it so i'm taking it as as real but yeah that's going to be a huge challenge um 2035 and is this constitutionally like how can an unelected board make this rule like unilaterally because i think the only people who can fire a carb california air resources board member is the governor. Uh, so I don't know. They've been trying to pump up sales of electric vehicles now, but again, just because they don't have any emissions, the manufacturing process is dirty, um, a 100-unit apartment complex, where are they supposed to fucking charge all their cars, et cetera, et cetera. If automakers fail to comply, they will face a $20,000 fine for each new vehicle sold in violation of the targets. Wow. <laughs> it is unlikely that companies would choose to pay that. Of course, they could try adding it on to the cost of the vehicle and hope that enough gas-powered vehicle lovers will buy them, but they're probably not going to do that. Um, this does not apply to used cars, by the way. So a lot of people will probably just hang on to your shit and everything else. So they've got a lot of challenge challenges to do this. Huge. Yeah, and then fucking forget about the car, too. Like, we can't even, as everybody keeps pointing out, our electrical grid is huge. As a matter of fact, just this week, almost the same day as that announcement, a huge power outage hit Oakland. Thousands of PG&E... Pacific Gas and Electric customers in the Oakland area were temporarily without power on Thursday due to a huge outage. 
At its peak, more than 24,000 customers were in the dark. Now, it only lasted a couple hours, but imagine there's 40 fucking million people in this state. You know, like, say half of them of are of age to drive. Uh, and uh, let's, uh, let's even be generous. Let's say a quarter of them. That's 10 million people. So 10 million, putting 10 fucking million electric cars onto our power grid that we have now, it's just not going to do it. And, of course, Gavin Newsom decided to take a victory lap on this. Your future president. And uh, let's listen to this. Two speech. years ago, we took a risk. We came out front. I did an executive order saying in 2035, California was going to lead the way on alternative fuel vehicles. Tomorrow, California Resources Board is going to codify that. We will be the first jurisdiction in the world to require all new cars to be sold to be alternative fuel cars. Okay, that's interesting because he, in that speech, said alternative fuel. The stories all said zero emission. So are they still even doing the hydrogen car thing? Or is that, was that just given? Remember when that was like going to be the huge thing? I remember driving by hydrogen fuel stations. Is that just completely done now? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to catch up with it. Oh, and then kind of as predicted, more Gavin Newsom news. He did veto that bill allowing the safe injection sites in California, in some California cities, including Los Angeles, San Francisco, everything else. And again, it's because he wants to run for president. Everybody knows it. And they, he did not want that hanging around his neck. Pretty predictably. Newsom said in vetoing the bill, quote, the unlimited number of safe injection sites that this bill would authorize, facilities which could exist well into the later part of this decade could induce a world of unintended consequences, end quote. Yeah, you fucking think? I kind of talked about that a lot more last week, saying, you know, what do you think you're compassionate when you're like, oh, I'll just let this guy just slowly kill himself with drugs? Yeah, real compassionate. Or you could fucking put him away. If not in a jail, in a hospital, he'd be mandated to go without and be mandated to get treatment. But they don't believe in that anymore. Animal stories. The dugong sea cow has become extinct in Chinese waters. This is sad. Yeah, the dugong. D-U-G-O-N-G. It's a vegetarian mammal. It looks a lot like a manatee. They kind of fucking float around. Manatees, pretty high on the animal hierarchy, as are all large mammals. Uh, but they're kind of dumb. That's why they call manatees sea cows. But the dugong is a species of the sea cows. And um, it's been off China's southern coast for centuries, but now a new study suggests that it has become the first large vertebrate to go functionally extinct in China's coastal waters. The result of a rapid population collapse there that began in the 1970s. Functional extinction means that even if some dugongs are still alive off China's coast, their numbers are too small to maintain a viable population. Oh, here, see? They're occasionally entangled in fishing nets. See? No nets! You guys know my stance on fishing! One fisherman gets one line and one hook. That's it. Or spearfishing is also okay. No more of these fucking nets. You know, thousand fucking kilometer lines with thousands of hooks on them. Thousand kilometer. You know what I mean. Long lines, they call it. 
But yeah, it's a uh, pretty pretty sad. They say there are still approximately a hundred thousand dugongs living in the waters off around forty countries. But this was specifically for that Chinese coast. And latest findings do not bode well for other populations of the animal in Japan and Southeast Asia as well. Yeah, it's just a bummer, dude. They look a lot like the uh, manatee, if you look at them. They've inspired tales of mermaids and other mystical creatures as well. And also the uh, manatee in Florida is also extinct. So we got we to take better care of them. Another animal story, a scuba diver in British Columbia has been fined 12,000 Canadian dollars after getting too close to a pod of killer whales. Yes, the orcas. The diver Thomas Gould knowingly interacted with a pod of seven orcas near Prince Rupert Harbor in April of 2020. The department that issued the fine said it was the largest one they've ever given in Canada for such an offense. And yes, they did order Gold to pay the fine. So Gold is the owner of the commercial dive vessel. He approached the pod, and then uh, they investigated. They found out that he attempted to motor ahead of the whale pod several times. And then it was determined that he, in full dive gear, entered the water two different times in close proximity to the whales. They have a minimum approach distances for this. All vessels must keep a distance about 650 feet away from orcas. Well, that seems like it would be kind of a self-correcting problem. No, I know orcas don't go after humans a lot, but yeah. Hmm. Monkeypox is going to be remained, uh, renamed. <laughs> so stupid. Public health researchers say the term evokes racist stereotypes. Against who, though? Monkeys? It reinforces offensive tropes about Africa and abets stigmatization. That's a that's a nice head subheadline there. So no monkeys are not transferring monkeypox to humans, but recently in Brazil, the unfounded fear that monkeys transmit the virus to people has spurred an outbreak of violence against marmosets and other monkeys, leading to the death of at least seven animals. They stoned and poisoned them. Yeah, the monkeypox has not much to do with monkeys. Scientists say that the rodents are the most likely animal reservoir for the virus. Um, yeah, rodents are. And in 1958, when Danish scientists first identified this virus in a colony of lab monkeys, they decided to bestow the naming honor on their captive primates. Okay, so what's the fucking problem? <laughs> I don't get these people. What is, what is wrong? So, yeah, monkey pox. Who gives a shit? You're offending the monkeys. Here we are. What a world. Uh, let me see. Oh, gun nut. Yeah, I got gun nut news. A judge has struck down a Texas law barring adults under 21 from carrying handguns. Yes. Ha, <laughs> uh. The federal judge ruled that the Second Amendment, quote, as informed by founding era history and tradition, end quote, did not exclude 18 to 20-year-olds from the right to carry firearms. That's what it says. Second Amendment doesn't say anything about uh, 21 to 18. In Texas, 18 to 20-year-olds are generally prohibited from obtaining a license to carry a handgun. But last year, a state law went into effect that made adults in that age group eligible for a license to carry a handgun, 
if they were covered under certain protective orders. Exemptions or exceptions also exist for military personnel and honorably discharged veterans. The Firearms Policy Coalition brought a lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of the uh, statute. And the lawsuit did argue that 18 to 20-year-old adults were fully protected by the Second Amendment at the time of its ratification. So U.S. District Judge Mark Pittman of Northern District of Texas wrote that the Second Amendment, uh, yeah, that doesn't exclude 18 to 20-year-olds, especially when they wrote it, 18 to 20-year-olds were fucking uh, schwacking fucking Brits left and right. Pink misting them with the muskets. So, but, uh, you know, this is going to be the first time, just like the assault rifle, uh, the first time some fucking 18-year-old crazy kid with the bug eyes <laughs> shoots up a whole schoolhouse, and you know it's coming. They're going to jump all over this law, too. Uh, guys, you know, I'm a huge Second Amendment supporter, but I'm beg at least the gun owners, okay, or the gun shop owners, I'm begging you guys, have you seen... These kids who get buy these guns legally and then go shoot up a grocery store or a fucking church or a school, they all look psycho. There's got to be a way you can just be like, you know what, kid? I don't like the look of you. Get out of here. You have the right to refuse service, right? Send them away. And if you're too afraid to do the due diligence vetting on these fucking incels, I'm available. Pass me the photo. At BK Actual on Instagram, just DM it to me. I'll give you the thumbs up or thumb down. I don't even need like a security camera footage. I just need a still shot of his face. And I will tell you within three seconds, yay or nay. So please get on it. I don't know. I just don't. I just have a problem, you guys. I know a lot of you guys disagree with me on this. I do have a problem with an 18-year-old kid who's fucking an incel who looks like an incel, talks like one, walks like one, walking into a gun store and able to walk out with fucking a couple of long guns and now short guns. I do. I know. I know you'll hate me for it. I don't on paper. If we were in the world of 50 years ago, I would be vehemently defending that. But we're not in that world anymore. We're in this world with social media, self-radicalization, all these fucking nerd, incel, loser kids... Going away, going going to town on the internet in mommy's basement. Did you guys see that Twitter account that I posted up on my Instagram a few times? Incel pickup lines. Oh my god, it's fucking. It's all like screen grabs of like chat conversations between like some dude incel trying to pick up some you know hot slut who he likes her Instagram stories or TikToks. No, it's fucking great. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think I should be able to own everything. I've said that many times. There should be no limit on what I can own. I have so much more to get to. Uh, quickly, a couple soldier stories, military stories. Um, a soldier has been indicted in Texas federal court for allegedly 3D printing and selling parts that can, can turn commercially available firearms into automatic weapons. Specialist Grant Lee Mosley, 25, a combat engineer at Fort Bliss, Texas, confessed this month to manufacturing and selling illegal gun parts. He was arrested the same day as his confession. 
The feds came across the channel on an unspecified online messaging platform advertising 3D-printed AR-15 automatic sears and Glock automatic switches, which can turn the semi-automatic weapons into fully automatic ones. So then in June and July, an undercover officer bought red plastic AR-15 sears and one of those metal Glock switches, and they found the 3D printer in his storage unit, so... Hmm. What did the Armory say? Yeah, it sounds like they're going on with it. He faces four counts. And it's five to ten years per prison per count. Ugh. Good luck, buddy. Another military guy. You remember the ex-Air Force sergeant, the Boogaloo guy? Yeah, he was the guy who uh, killed the law enforcement officials in 2020. Amid the protests over the killing of George Floyd, that was 33-year-old Stephen Carrillo. He has been sentenced to life in prison without parole in the killing of a Santa Cruz County Sheriff's Sergeant. He killed um, Sergeant Damon Gutzwiller. And also, he was sentenced to 41 years in prison for killing David Patrick Underwood. That was the federal security agent who was attacked along with a colleague while guarding a federal building in Oakland. Yeah, remember he opened the van door? It's all on fucking video. He opened the van door and started blasting him with the long gun. And yes, he did have ties to the so-called Boogaloo movement, a concept embraced by a loose network of gun enthusiasts and militia-style extremists who connect, guess where? Online. And yeah, they believe that there's like a civil war coming and you got to fucking, the big boogaloo, that's what they call it. They're just fucking, a lot of them are just fucking nerds. But there's always a guy who's willing to go through with it, isn't there? Mushroom therapy, or more specifically, psilocybin. Is that how you pronounce it? P-S-I-L-O-C-Y-B-I-N? Psilocybin? I think it's psilocybin. The key ingredient in magic mushrooms, that therapy sharply reduces excessive drinking. Hmm. It's a small study. And this is the therapeutic effect on using psychedelics to treat alcohol use disorder. This study, published in JAMA, J-A-M-A, the prestigious medical journal, found that just two doses of the drug paired with psychotherapy led to an 83% decline in heavy drinking. Those given a placebo reduced by only 51%. I don't know, I've had it always kind of makes me want to fucking pound kombucha, but that's what they say. Of course, it was the first anniversary of the 2021 Kabul airport attack. Terrible. August 26th, 2021. And uh, they're almost all Marines, and the Marines did put out a statement. And this was at the Hamid Karzai International Airport when those 13 brave service members, the 11 U.S. Marines, a Navy corpsman, and a United States Army soldier lost their lives to the ISIS suicide bomber. And yes, the Marines said uh, they released a great statement. Among other things, they said they were sent there because they are United States Marines, ready to respond to crises at a moment's notice. They were sent there because our citizens depend on their Marines to accomplish their hardest missions with stoicism and resolve. They were sent there because Marines and those who serve with us accomplished the mission 
no matter the cost. End quote. And it's a very touching statement, so go read about that. By the way, did you know they haven't officially identified the Kabul airport bomber who killed all those 13 kids to me? Yeah, numerous reports and anonymous officials say the attack was carried out by somebody named Abdul Rahman Al-Logari, who, by the way, had been freed from prison at the abandoned Bagram airfield in August of 2021. So he gets out and promptly fucking kills 13 of our guys and girls. But the Biden administration has continually refused to confirm Logari was indeed the bomber. Remember, that bomb, it also killed nearly 200 Afghans, which is fucking hard to believe. And the Marines had been on lookout, like, hey, watch out, there's a fucking, there's word that there might be a suicide bomber out there. So, just fucking terrible. Okay, uh, a Texas farm has shown dinosaur tracks because of the drought. Some of you guys sent me this one. Severe drought conditions at Dinosaur Valley State Park exposed dinosaur tracks around 113 million years ago that was previously hidden underneath the Paluxy River. 113 million years. You can't even wrap your fucking head around that. I mean, at 1 million years, that's 10 100,000 years. <laughs> 10 100,000 years, and you have 113 of those. It fucking blows my mind. They say these dinosaurs would have, were about 15 feet tall and weighed close to 7 tons as adults, whatever kind they are. They haven't figured it out yet. And also, a huge dinosaur skeleton has been unearthed in a Portuguese garden. This is crazy, dude. Go look at the picture of this one. It's only partially exposed. It looks like a rib cage or something, and it's the size of like a fucking Volkswagen Beetle. It's huge. They say these are remains of what could be the largest dinosaur ever discovered in Europe. And um, they are being excavated. It was first discovered in the central city of Pombal in 2017 when a man began building work on his, uh, building work on his house. And they think it was a sauropod. They were the biggest of all dinosaurs and largest land animals to have ever lived. They had long necks and tails, ate plants, and walked on four legs. They think the skeleton's about 150 million years old. So, yeah, they're, they're now, it's gotten the news because just now they're fucking getting around to really professionally digging it out. All right, let me see here. Um, this is a good one. I've got a couple other clips here. Uh, did, you, did you see the chick who followed the thief and put her on blast? making a video while they rode the bus. This is great. Let's hear how this goes. Okay, so this raggedy-ass bitch just came into Erotic and stole from my store. Filming her. Stole from my store. Okay, stop. Don't touch me. And we're going to follow her to her house because she says she's going to pay for it there. Right? Yes. Okay. So enjoy the ride, and we'll let you know where she lives. Let's play a game called Look in the Thief's Purse. So let's see what she has. Stop. Oh, she also took a skirt, Justin. Did you see that? What? Yeah. You raggedy bitch. She's pulling stuff out of her purse. You look at me like I'm crazy and you stole from me. The irony. Right? 
And Don't now the... steal from small businesses, Oki. Okay, and then the, the last frame is the cops fucking showing off and uh, fucking cuffing her. That's great. I would not recommend that because you don't know what they have in there. They could be stealing. Uh, they could be carrying a knife, gun. I mean, kudos to the chick. Very ballsy. Now, here's another random clip from the UFC last weekend. There's a UFC fighter. I've never heard of this guy named Joel Bauman. And he's giving a post-fight interview, and the UFC themselves at the official UFC account initially tweeted this out, but they deleted it. But I have the clip from a different source. Here is part... You guys know what I'm talking about. And there's, in the post-fight interview, they stand in the ring. Guy with the fucking microphone comes over. Sometimes it's Joe Rogan. It's not him this time. It's a different dude. I think. Let's watch this clip and hear what Bauman says here. Here we go. So all those doubting my NFT... You're looking at the guy that's the reason that college athletes and high school athletes are getting paid today. Mr. Influencer to Influencers. Secondly, Jimmy Kimmel, viral this. I fight to eradicate childhood malnutrition from the planet. And until they release the flight logs, you, the mainstream media, Hollywood, are all pedophiles to me. Eat dick. <laughs> Uh, it was not Joe Rogan doing the interview. Uh, that's great. And he's talking about NFTs and Jimmy Kimmel was brought up. It's fucking good stuff. All right, Scott, I'm starting to run out of time. Two men convicted in the Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. Barry Croft and Adam Fox were convicted on charges of kidnapping conspiracy as well as conspiracy to use a weapon of mass destruction, among others. And these convictions come after an earlier case against the two men ended in a mistrial when jurors were unable to agree on a verdict. So they got a different jury. They did it again. And this time they nailed them. Remember, they wanted to kidnap Whitmer at her vacation. It was some crazy plan. And I've actually read through some of the trial. And it was like the FBI like bent over backwards to get these fucking hicks, these dumb hillbillies. And get them to agree to do all kinds of stupid shit. But hey, you know what? You're not if the F just because some FBI guy is trying to get you to do dumb stuff, if you then go and say you're gonna do it, then yeah, they can they can ring you up. Remember it was weird, like one of the undercover FBI agents was also like a swinger, and then he was arrested by cops after like hitting his wife or something like that. It was just fucking bizarre. And that's what defense attorneys were trying to say. Like, these guys are just fucking big talkers who are simply venting. Two other men charged were acquitted last spring. Two more pleaded guilty. Croft and Fox face life imprisonment if they throw the book at them, which they very well might do. All right. An elephant has ripped his handler in half in Thailand after working in extreme heat. This is great. The body of 32-year-old Supachai Wongfade was found in a pool of blood after police responded to a rubber plantation, according to Thailand News. And they said that a male 20-year-old elephant named Pom Pam stabbed the man with its tusks multiple times, tearing his body in half. They determined that Supachai brought the elephant to haul wood at the plantation, and police say the hot weather may have made the animal go crazy. Good. Yeah, guys, you know the deal. Elephants, probably the highest on the animal hierarchy, definitely out of all the land mammals. Out of all the land animals, period. Elephants at the very top. 
They shouldn't be in zoos, and they shouldn't even be in parks, and they definitely shouldn't be fucking shackled and made to do your firewood duty. Yeah, they should be able to do whatever they want. And if that happens to run, you know, they rampage through your village, so be it. I'm sorry. Elephants get priority. You'll have to move. If the elephants fucking come, then you have to move. Okay. What's this one? Oh, <laughs> I got to do this. Here we go. This is fantastic. Let's go over to... Uh, where is this? Exa this is the Wales News. Um... So it must be in Wales, right? If it's carried by the Wales news. Here's the headline. Man, 62, caught masturbating in public three times in one day. <laughs> Got go see the mugshot. Arshad Azad committed the lewd acts on a bus and outside a coffee shop. Yep, in one incident, he touched himself in full view of members of the public, including several children. Two of the three acts were carried out under clothing, but then, oh no, he fucking had to pull it out. See, he was following my long-term advice to you guys. Never, if you're going to jack it in public, keep your pants on. No need to drop trout completely. The third one, old fucking Arshad. Couldn't take it anymore. And he just like pulled it out. And yeah, he was uh, subject. He was already subjected to a suspended sentence for quote, similar offenses end quote. Yeah. They had, they had four other incidents that took place between June 23rd, 2021 and August 1st of this year. And he did the pretty much the same thing. Two of those occasions saw him masturbating in his window in full view of members of the public on a residential street near a primary school. Go look at his picture. It's a fantastic mugshot. Uh, Italian man has fallen to his death 650 feet. And this is trippy, dude, because 30-year-old Andrea Mazzetto posed for a smiling photo with his girlfriend and it was the picture he took was just moments before he fell 650 feet to his death while trying to grab the cell phone he had just dropped oh uh, yeah they were he was climbing something called the alternato a rock near Razzo named because of its likeness to its altar uh, to an altar yeah fell fucking right off a precipice and yeah, they said 650 feet. Can you imagine that, dude? Let it go. <laughs> or at least watch your step. All right. Uh, let's see. What else did I have? The good one. Um, I, I just want to make sure I don't have any other really, really great um, audio clips. I did. Oh, this one was trending this morning. Let's play this audio clip really quick. Do you guys know the comedian Aries Spears? He was trending this morning. When he talked about Lizzo, the singer, the uh, very pleasantly plump African-American superstar. Ari Spears, Ari Spears himself is, is also African-American. Anyway, he says he can't get past the fact about Lizzo's looks when he's asked about her music, and he uses a colorful description. Yeah, you know somebody that actually made good music, man? Lizzo. Lizzo? Yeah, bro. Have you heard her shit, yo? Like, as a songwriter, yo. 
I, I can't get past the fact that she looks like the shit emoji. She's got a very pretty face, but she keeps showing her body off, nigga. Like, come on, man. Come on, yo. I'm sorry. Listen, I ain't the most in-shape nigga in the world, but I still, you know, when you funny and you got swagger and confidence and, and you decent looking, I think I'm at least handsome. And you're a dude. You get pussy. Yeah. But a woman that's built like a plate of mashed potatoes is in trouble. <laughs> you know what kills me about women is, is the hypocrisy and the contradiction. Yes, queen, slay, queen. Yes, queen, slay. Yeah, girl, your confidence. Yeah. Fuck diabetes. Fuck heart, heart, heart problems. Fuck heart disease, cholesterol. Y'all claim womanhood and about sisterhood and support for your sister, you know, when it comes to that ridiculous shit. But if you really gave a fuck, why wouldn't you go, black girl, we love you. We love your confidence, boo-boo. But th this ain't it. This ain't it. <laughs> Where's That's the real love. He's Don't right. jump on me for making jokes. But y'all won't fucking be real and go, sister, put the eclair down. This ain't it. It's treadmill time. Yeah, he's fucking spot on. Of course, he got crucified all over social media this morning. But he's right. And, you know, the, the comments were not surprising. It's like, Lizzo fucking... And I, I've, I have seen Lizzo, like, videos of her, right? She's great voice. She can dance. She dances. She plays instruments. She's a great performer. Give her that. She's very talented, obviously. But, yeah, I, I can't... I, her, she is huge. And for all you people saying, like, look at her. She puts on a two-hour show dancing and singing the whole time. She's not out of shape. Yeah, she's fucking morbidly obese, dude. And yet, that's going to catch up to her. She's either going to die young... Or she's going to have to have, like, both fucking hips replaced in, like, 10 years because she is fucking really big. And she famously shows it off, as he alluded to. She doesn't, like, put on, like, the long gowns or anything. No, she'll put on, like, a fucking... She'll put on, like, a thong. And it's like, okay. It's just... It's it's too much, dude. All right. Starting around time. Let me do... Let me go through a few just uh, quick headlines. Um, oh, the COVID virus. Yeah, that's that's still going on. It's still decreasing. Coronavirus cases and hospitalizations have both fallen steadily. Total reported cases in the U.S., 93,939,058, minus 13% the 14-day change. Total reported deaths, 1,039,674, minus 2% in the 14-day change. Uh, related to that, the tennis star Novak Djokovic has confirmed he has been refused entry into the United States and will not play in the U.S. Open after the CDC opted against changing their COVID entry rules in time for the unvaccinated champion to participate, former champion. So he won't be at the U.S. Open. How fucking stupid is this? Nobody, it's over. Fucking let it go, dude. It's fucking so, let it go. Just let it go. Nobody cares. It's over to everyone except the fucking crazies. On social media. It just is. Man. They just can't let it go. I don't know what it is. Um, France uh, is uh, criticizing private jets. Politicians are proposing regulating or banning flights by such planes after a summer of extreme heat and soaring energy tr uh, prices prompted growing calls to tackle the causes of climate change. Yeah. Let John Kerry ride coach like everybody else. Europe's drought has revealed World War II 
relics and shipwrecks. So that's one good thing that came out of it because all of these waterways are drying up. And similar thing happening in Lake Mead. They're finding here in the United States, they're finding a bunch of bodies there. Uh, somebody named, I never heard of this guy, Andrew Tate, before this week. But TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook have all simultaneously taken down accounts belonging to Andrew Tate, a 35-year-old British-American former professional kickboxer. He frequently made misogynistic comments, mister, about women online. And now, he's, I never heard of him. Uh, but they all did it, and it just elevated him huge. The New York Times did a fucking story about him, so again, so now he's on Rumble. Also, Facebook, Twitter, and others are removing a pro-United States influence campaign. Yeah, this uh, <clears throat> was an operation from their networks that prompt promoted U.S. foreign policy interests abroad. And the operation ran for almost five years on eight social networks, promoted the views, values, and goals of the United States while attacking the interests of Russia, China, Iran, and other countries. <clears throat> so... The reason they took it down, you're like, well, what's the problem? Well, the accounts behind the operation often pose as news outlets, news outlets or took on the personas of people who didn't exist. They posted content in at least seven languages, including Russian, Arabic, and Urdu. Who ran this? Um, it, is, it is a foreign influence operation, but it's pro-U.S., uh, so do they say, um, this is, they, they use some cybersecurity operation to do this and no, they're just saying it's a former, a foreign influence program. So I don't know yet. We'll find out more about that. Uh, let's see what else. Ron DeSantis, who's very scary, the governor of Florida. He suspended four elected school board members after a report on the mass shooting at Parkland came out. Remember those uh, Marjorie Taylor Douglas school. Nicholas Cruz killed 17 people at the Parkland school. Well, the grand jury found that the four school members and a fifth one who no longer holds that position had, quote, engaged in acts of incompetence and neglect of duty, end quote. So... Ron DeSantis then suspended them, and now he can appoint his own people. So the libs are screaming. So just because it's Ron DeSantis, that's the only reason that even made the news. What else? Uh, oh, two people got uh, got rung up by the theft of Joe Biden's daughter daughter's diary. It was two people. Amy Harris and Robert Curlander admitted to participating in a conspiracy in which... Ashley Biden's diary ended up in the hands of the conservative group Project Veritas near the end of the 2020 campaign. So they had to plead guilty. And they said they, they admitted in federal court that they had stolen the diary and sold it. Um, yeah, the federal prosecutors have been investigating the theft of this diary. And the investigation has spurred questions on how much the First Amendment can protect a group that claims it is a news media organization. She is 40. Um, this chick, did I, I 
can't, did I name them? <laughs> I, sometimes, guys, when I'm going to the end, I kind of forget. Okay, the chick is Amy Harris, and the guy's Robert Kurlander. She's 40, he's 58. And it, it, was a, it was a kind of a strange case because Ashley Biden had left the diary at a friend's home where she had been staying in Delray Beach, Florida in 2021 and planned to return to retrieve it that year. After Biden left, her friend allowed Ms. Harris to stay at the home. She was struggling financially. Harris learned that Biden had been living there and found her belongings, including the diary. She told Kurlander, the other, the dude, who texted her that they could make a lot of money from the diary and family photos that she had also found. And then Kurlander informed a Trump supporter and a fundraiser. So then Harris and Kurlander took the diary to a Trump fundraiser at some chicks named Elizabeth Fago. They took it to her house where it was passed around. And then... Um, Etc. Etc. And it ran on from there. Well, they—I I don't know what the penalty is going to be. They just pleaded guilty. How much jail time are they going to get? I don't know. Probably probation. Dogs have attacked and killed a mail carrier in Florida. Pamela Jane Rock had been out delivering mail when her vehicle broke down in Putnam County, Florida. Then five dogs attacked her. Jesus. Yeah, she was mauled by all five. She uh, died the next day. They're all like fucking pit bulls and shit like that. A dad took photos of his naked toddler for the doctor. Google flagged him as a criminal. Yeah, because Google has an automated tool to detect abusive images of children. And in February of 2021, he, the dad... He noticed his son's penis looked swollen and was hurting him. He's a toddler, right? Stay-at-home dad. So he took photos to document the problem, and his wife called an advice nurse at their health care provider to schedule an emergency consultation. The nurse said to send photos so the doctor could review them in, in advance. And she texted, Mark's wife grabbed her husband's phone, texted a few high-quality close-ups of their son's groin area to her iPhone so she could upload them to the healthcare provider's messaging system. And somehow, this was captured by Google. And they, yeah, they got fucking rung up by the feds. And they had to go through all kinds of shit and, like, crazy the guy lost his entire google account and all kinds of other shit so be wary of what you're sending through anything it's it's insane now all right a coast guard veteran and his wife remain jailed amid the mystery about those stolen ids you guys remember that from a, a little bit back Calling allegations that a Hawaiian couple stole identities of dead babies for unknown reasons, a U.S. judge on Monday upheld a previous ruling to detain the pair without bail. According to prosecutors, Walter Glenn Primrose and Gwyn Morrison are the real names of the couple who have been fraudulently living for decades under stolen identities, Bobby Fort and Julie Montague. Primrose spent more than 20 years in the Coast Guard. And they still don't know why. Remember they thought these guys were like Russian spies or something? Well, 
A U.S. district judge named Leslie Kobayashi makes it sound like it's still a mystery. She said what makes the case unique is that they lived under these stolen identities for so long. And she said, quote, because the real question is why, end quote. The two of them have pleaded not guilty. Remember, they searched their house and they turned up Polaroids of them wearing jackets that appeared to be authentic KGB uniforms and an invisible ink kit and uh, other stuff. So, but they're saying, ah, it's just a costume party or some bullshit like that. So still unclear. Uh, U.S. Air Force drone crashes near Benghazi in Libya after being shot down by rebels. I put that uh, footage on my uh, Instagram account. ASAP Rocky, the rapper, he has pled not guilty to felony assault with firearms charges in L.A., which is going to be tough because they have video of him doing it. A 24-year-old Kenyan nurse living in Canada drowned while live-streaming herself in a swimming pool. <laughs> wow. Helen Nayabuto, 24 years old, was interacting on Facebook Live when she dove into a motel pool's deep end on August 18th in Ontario. And then her body was found at the bottom of the pool three hours later by two men. <laughs> Jeez. This is like, don't fucking do, if you can't swim, guys. Uh, A youth pastor used blackmail to obtain sex videos from young boys, according to a prosecutor that was uh, in New Jersey. 31-year-old Sean Higgins has been arrested on 75 total counts. Yep, and then he he did the old thing you guys know well by now. He'd get underage boys to send him nude pictures and videos by pretending to be a chick and uh, touch their dick a little bit. And then he would blackmail them into doing sexual acts on themselves for his enjoyment. Don't fall for it. And I am fucking running out of time, you guys. I have so much fucking more to do, but I've got to go to the big finish. And this is fucking too funny. I need a few minutes for this. Did you see the Australian rules football team that had their players go viral when they performed a public sex act in a pub? I'm looking at the still photos right now. A Melbourne Australian football club, Australian rules football, has released a statement to say it is extremely saddened after senior players were filmed performing a public sex act during something called Mad Monday. Some kind of holiday, I don't know, some fucking holiday over there. And videos of the act, which appears to have been performed in a public bar in front of teammates, has been going viral. The video shows one player exposing his genitals before another man performs a sex act on him as cheering can be heard in the background. <laughs> this is the Glen Waverly Football Club. This is fucking too funny. I'm looking at the picture. Dude has his fucking pants around his ankles standing there. You can see his underwear pulled down. He's holding up his shirt. And there's another guy on fucking one knee. And his head, it's blurred out, but his head is clearly on the dude's penis. And there's a third and fourth guy sitting there just casually watching it. 
Uh, what do I tell you about these guys in Australia, Canada, the UK? They fucking think this is like jokes to fuck around with dicks. They really do. I've told you guys a bunch of times. They don't think it's like oh, like sexual assault or sexual to like go up and take their dick and like tap you on the forehead when you fall asleep from a nap or something. You know, with their dick. They don't think that's a big deal. They think that's just funny. They're all out of the public bar too. And now these guys are fucking all over the internet. And they're also saying that the patrons complained about the group of players being abusive to other people in the pub. Yeah, big shocking. Apparently they made some kind of bet during a day of heavy drinking. They don't say what the bet is. They just say a bet. And that's like what? Who quits drinking the first? The, the bet required the loser to perform oral sex on the winner. So the man who lost the bet did it. And now, of course, the media is too delicate for this. The big question, what's always the question, you guys? Did he finish? Did he finish? And then what was the bet? You got to just put your mouth on it? The bet said oral sex. So do you have to fucking suck him off, dude? And then if you suck him off, do you have to take the fucking facial? Or can you at least, like, then take it out of your mouth and, like, point it in the opposite direction while he fucking jizzes all over the floor? Like, I've got these questions. You know? What was your plan, bro? And I can see the defense now. They're probably like, oh, no. Come on, mate. No, I just had to put his penis in my mouth for a few minutes. No, no, no sucking, mate. Yeah. Is that what you had to do? Okay. This is ironclad rule, guys. If your mouth willingly touches another man's penis, you, you, you enjoy penis. You know the rules. You enjoy penis. You put your mouth on another man's penis. And God knows for how long and God knows what kind of fluids went out. Guys, that's it. That's all I got. There goes the iPad. That's two and a half hours straight through. I can't get over these guys. Uh, they're fucking world famous now for this. Guys, Please go to patreon.com, type in the search box, BK Actual. Think about supporting the podcast. It's the only way I can keep doing it, and I really appreciate those guys of you who, who do, and guys and gals. Thank you so much for that, and follow me on Twitter for breaking news, at Bravo Kilo Actual, and check out my Instagram, at BK Actual. Oh, and just quickly, I will have some more stuff coming up with Vet TV in the future, and I'll keep you informed on those social media channels. Guys, I'm fucking done. That's all I got. I'll see you next week. Bitch, I'ma choose the dirty over you. You know I ain't scared to lose you. They don't like it when you're telling the truth. I'd rather be realer than you. I had to make me a crack, now I called a contractor to make me a spot. I sold the dope I just out, now you come to my house, I got dope on the couch, you know.